Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. And welcome to episode 177 of Slamfire Radio for October 21st, 2016. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew the Warning Shot McClatchy. And I'm Adriel, the Hunting Gear Guy me show. And I'm Kelly, the classy one, Lynn. You sound so confident. And I, I, <laughs> I, I am... I don't uh, know. Who am I? I guess I'm Kelly, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I suppose I, I could be the... Fr- I, I, I suppose I could be the frilatte for this episode. I, I, <laughs> I was so you know what I was going to say, Kelly, the social justice warrior. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that would yeah. have been good too. Yeah. Well, yeah. most people wouldn't have got the joke unless they follow no. us on Facebook. Yeah. So, doesn't everybody follow us on Facebook? No, there are some people that still aren't on the Facebook. Whoa, <laughs> they need to no. like seriously jump into the 28th century or whatever century we're in these days. I don't know, Buck Rogers, but am I a scientist? I don't think you are. It's not brain science. It's rocket surgery. Rocket surgery. That's it. I hate being dyslexic. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, why don't we kick off what we did in guns? And I'm going to go first because it consists of one word, and that's about as long as it takes because I was not successful. I went hunting. Nope. You weren't successful. You went <laughs> armed hiking. If if I went armed hiking, I was completely successful. All right. Um, but, uh, but, but hunting, not so much. I went uh, recently a few times, and I haven't seen a bird since last week. I haven't the flushed one. I haven't nothing. Like, there is where I'm going is dead, and I'm doing it right. I remember the episode we had with Fred Boylan last year about this time. That was a great episode. You should go back and check that out if you want to talk about uh, bird hunting. Great episode. But uh, I did everything he said I should do. And there is, there's just, if, if the birds aren't there, I guess I can't shoot them. Well, I'm hearing this from um, many, many New Brunswickers, Matthew, that the population is just way down this year. All the moose hunters came out of the woods and said, we didn't see a single bird. And then I yep. went and we saw three, but I guess that was certainly the exception to the rule because I'm hearing what you're saying across the board. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty bleak out there. Regardless, I'm having a great time every time I go. I'm taking the truck off-road, so doing some off-roading in the truck. Um, Curtis and I actually went bird hunting with the airplane, which was kind of cool. We didn't bird hunt from the airplane, but we used the airplane to get to some fields that we otherwise wouldn't have been able to get to and uh, got to go bird hunting a little bit there. So I've been having fun doing it, just haven't been successful. I meant to ask you, Matthew, how much game you're seeing when you're up there. Like, what what have you seen so far? Um, I see moose on a semi-regular basis. I see deer on an even more regular basis. I've seen a few black bears every now and then. I suspect I'll start seeing them again here soon as the leaves finish falling. And uh, I've actually flushed a grouse with the plane once. <laughs> I was that low. <laughs> so you've got a you've got a good idea then of where to go for whitetail. Uh, in Quebec. Oh, yeah. All of uh, all of the deer that I've seen so far are in Quebec. 
So, uh, no. Oh, I, they're separatist <laughs> deer, so... Yeah, you wouldn't want it. They're bilingual deer. They don't taste very good. No, they're yeah, unilingual francophone deer. They don't taste good. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> they taste like failure and regret and surrender. <laughs> oh, we're going to get hate mail over that one. That's Trevor Furlot, folks. Trevor Furlot, you can send your hate mail to Slamfire Radio, care of Trevor Furlot at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much all I've been doing lately, kind of walking around. Oh, I did pack up all of my guns in anticipation for the three-gun this weekend over at Trevor's. I think I packed them up in vain because it's going to pour enough to flood the world again a second time. So I don't know if I'll actually shoot, but I'm going to go. I'm going to bring my guns with me, and if the weather's nice, maybe I'll go out and shoot. But chances are I'll help with stats in this ammo shack while everybody else goes out and shoots. Because there's nothing I hate more than being rained on. Being snowed on? No, I being love being snowed on. Doesn't bother me a bit. Mm-hmm. Hate being rained on. I just I cannot stand being wet while I have my clothes on. I don't know what it is about it, but I hate being rained on more than I like shooting. So shooting loses. Sitting in the camp with the warm fireplace, helping with stats, wins. There you go. So anyway, I'll be a help anyway if I can, and I get to hang out with all the guys afterwards, and that's really why I go anyway to hang out with all the people. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to go. Filthy um, burgers. Be honest. It's all about the filthy burgers. It is. It really is. There's yeah. really no other. I just wanted to not sound like I didn't care about other people and that I cared about hamburgers more than, well, It's a scale. You. I mean, it's a scale, right? You can care about me and her- care about hamburgers, but each one gets a certain amount of care. And if the burger gets more care than me, I don't, uh, I don't fault you. Well, it's hard for me to not make a joke now where you are talking about scales, but regardless... <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna move on, I think. And uh, Trevor, why don't you tell us what you've been doing with guns lately? All right, um, I did a little bit of shooting, but before I get into that, I want to talk about, and I meant to talk about this weeks ago, and it just got overlooked or I wasn't on or whatever. I had mentioned about renewing my firearms license online, yep. and I just wanted to bring uh, tell the listeners how easy it was. Now, when I did it, at first I was like, well. I'm not getting anything back from these people. Is there a problem? Did it go through? Did it not go through? I received a receipt for my credit card because I processed the fee on my credit card. But that was it. Uh, I had a confirmation number that I wrote down. And then that was it. So I got a receipt for the credit card, a confirmation number. But there was no email saying, we're processing your application. That's a bit disconcerting, right? Because anytime you buy something online, they send you an email right away with your receipt saying, yes, your order has been gone, your order's been processed, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and taking my money doesn't mean that I didn't make a mistake on the application. There could have been some glitch somewhere. So, yeah, yeah, it's weird that they just give you a confirmation number and then no, no confirmation email. I mean, how hard would it be to send out a confirmation email? Well... I mean, when you send in your application by mail, they don't mail you a letter saying, okay, we got it. That's true. You got a good point there. But yeah. they also don't send you a confirmation number either. So so I think it's, um, if there's a problem, we'll notify you. If not, we'll send you a license. And that's what happened. Cool. The other the other concern I had was I basically took a selfie with my, with my cell phone. <laughs> right? Is so, that how you sent in your picture? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I've done that myself. <laughs> yeah, so I just took a selfie with my cell phone, uploaded the picture from my cell phone to the, uh, to, or maybe I emailed it to myself, and then I saved it on my desktop, and then I uploaded it to the uh, to the website through the application process. And they took it, and, no problem, eh? Yeah. Now, when you fill out your application 
the old-fashioned way. You renewal the old-fashioned way on paper, and you mail it in. Your spouse or whoever's living with you or whatever has to sign off on your firearms application. We all know this, those of us that have spouses. So basically, Christina typed her name into the keyboard. Now, I could have typed her name in the keyboard. How would they know the difference? I fully expected them to call and say, hey, we got this application, and your name is on it. Are you cool with this? Because there was no live ink signature right? like there would be if we had done it the old-fashioned way. So they didn't call They didn't call to verify with her that it was, in fact, her that signed off on the application. And I, the only thing I can think of is, well, maybe it's because her name has been on, like, my last three licenses. Hmm, maybe. Maybe if it was somebody new, they would have called. Or two licenses, for sure. And that's what I'm thinking. But maybe, you know, anyway. So whatever. It's. I mean, I'm happy they didn't slow the process down. Sure. You know, so... Um, it went well. I mean, like I said, there, there was nothing. Next thing you know, a couple of weeks later, it didn't take long at all. My license came in. Now, when you call the 1-800-731-4000 number, it says you can check the, the status of your license renewal by going online. It's super easy, blah, blah, blah. So I went to check the status of my, uh, of my renewal and I put in the confirmation number that they gave me and it said, sorry, no file exists. <laughs> And then, oh, that's not going to give you a stroke now, is it? Exactly, because I waited. <laughs> that You know, everyone recommends that you renew your license three months prior to it um, expiring. Yep. Right? Well, we, we what the public didn't know was when your license expired, there was a grace period already. But then in, in when Bill C-42 went in, they made a big deal about now giving us 90 days grace period before turning us into paper criminals, right? Right. So I had waited to like the month before to renew. So when I tried to check the status online and it said no record found, I got a little panicky and I called and she was like, well, you did this like two weeks ago. So this is really unusual that I don't see, see it, uh, that you're not getting anything anyway. But she said, I see that your application is being processed. It's with your CFO for the final whatever. And you're, you're all good. And like three days later, my license arrived with the funniest looking selfie on it you've ever seen. <laughs> like the top of my top of my head isn't even in frame. It's pathetic. Duck so, face. So you doing, may or may not be above. Absolutely. I was actually, you could see the toilet in the background. I did that bathroom <laughs> selfie all the teenage girls were doing. So. And did you look up at the camera too? Yeah, with the duck lips. Yep. Yeah. There you absolutely. go. Absolutely. Yes. That's the way yeah. to do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. So. Well, get rid of all your chins. Yeah. <laughs> all of my chins. <laughs> All of my. Listen, I can glass, see where this episode brutal, is going right brutal. now. Glass houses shouldn't throw stones, Kelly. I know. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> we had a listener um, come up with a question. It was posted somewhere or whatever. Somebody said, "Well, what if I lose my license and I apply for a new one? Uh, it costs less." And the question and the question was about expiry date. You know, my license is going to expire in a year. I lost it. I'm going to apply for a new one. Tell them to send me a new card. I'll get it. It doesn't work like that. Your expiry date is always on your birthday. If you lose your card the week before and they send you a new card, it's still going to expire in a week. So I don't know if that ever got addressed. You guys right. remember that? I do remember that. Yeah. So there's yeah. no loophole there then. It. No, because your 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 expiry date's your birthday. That's right. So the expiry date is not magically going to change to the date that they issue you the new license because you lost your license. They will issue you a new license with the same old expiry date, which is your birthday, every five years. So, yeah. And then yesterday I went to the range to cite in uh, an AR that uh, 
I'm doing it again. I'm lending out a bunch of my guns this weekend for people to shoot in the three guns. Not a bunch, I mean, and I'm happy to do it because they're all going to people that are close friends of mine, but one of them needed to be sighted in. So I went to the uh, went to the range yesterday with Snuffy to sight in an AR, and I did some offhand shooting. And I've been, because of my carpal tunnel surgery in my right hand, I've been handling my guns so much with my left hand that it really didn't feel like offhand shooting. <laughs> so it was kind of fun. And being left-eye dominant, I can get the sights pretty quick with both eyes open when I pop the rifle up on my left shoulder. So well, that's cool. You are shooting yeah. this weekend, right? I am not. Oh, you're not going to shoot. Oh, okay. Because of the carpal no. tunnel. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, no. Because of the rain. Yeah. Because of the rain. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. I'm going to retract <laughs> what I said and I'm going to say, I would love to shoot and I'm going to shoot, but you know what? Trevor needs help. And a good friend that I am, I'm going to sacrifice my match that I can Keep him company in the stats shack and just kind of help him out with that paperwork because that's the kind of guy I am. Just don't get in Atlanta or Chris's way because they'll be in there with me. Yeah, no, I'm not going to even go in there probably. I'll go with <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. And um, that's pretty much it. We took a walk around to look at the stages that are left over from SummerSlam to make sure that there was nothing major that needed to be done in order to set up for the um, three-gun. Now, we were going to start targeting today and then finish tomorrow. But with the monsoon rains that they're forecasting. Oh, don't do that. No, wait. No. Yeah, we're actually yep. just going to actually target in the rain on Saturday morning yeah. before the match commences. And I'll bring my rain gear and I'll help you out with that, of course. Yeah. Well, you'll help them out. I can't do nothing. I'm, oh, I'm you're right. You know, my wrists are starting to hurt, too. <laughs> I should get some carpal tunnel syndrome. I'm getting the stitches out tomorrow, and I can't wait because I'm ready to literally like gnaw my wrist apart with my teeth. It's getting uh, really. Getting they've been itchy. in there now. The, the oh, they've been in there for like 16 days. Pull them out. No, I yeah. gotta let him do it. Really? I pull no, it all in stitches. I, no, I, yeah, I do too. I do too. When it's not deep tissue surgery. <laughs> so, right. and what am I saying? I've only ever had stitches one other time, and yeah, I took them out myself. I was like right. 13. So did they so. did the stitches go deep tissue or are they just like through your yeah. skin like normal? No, they're deep because oh, it's the, all the stitches go all the way. Oh, well, that's weird. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I let him do it. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, it's gonna suck, but I mean, it's, what do you mean? It's, it's, it's stitches. I mean, how bad could it hurt when they take the pain, them out? Like the pain's just letting you know you're still alive. Exactly, <laughs> and mildly inconvenienced. Yeah, all right, right. you'll be fine. Adriel, what have you been up to? Uh, well, I had my three gun match on Saturday. That was all right. I, how was uh, the I, snow? Uh, it was fine. Yeah, we How much uh, did you yeah, have? a pile. <laughs> yeah, I I'd emailed uh, on Alberta. Friday. Yeah, I emailed on the Friday, and it's like, hey guys, a little bit of snow it does not mean that this is canceled. We're still doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had, nobody uh, got stuck in the snow. Anybody lose a mag in the snow? No, no. What oh. one problem we've had in the past is uh, the plates off of the Texas Star. Those those get lost really easily because they're white yeah. and. Uh, Sometimes, like people will shoot them with a full choke, and they'll launch them, you know, two, three meters away, and and then then they're, they're stuck in the snow somewhere. <laughs> uh, but no, no one lost any mags. A lot of people had to go back uh, over the stage to to find some of their mags because it was you know wet and snowy and whatnot. Yep. But uh, that was a good. Uh, it was a good day. Just twenty people out because there was snow, so a lot of our wimps didn't come out and. Uh, See, I have no good. problem shooting in the snow. That would be great. It doesn't bother me a bit. I like the snow. I hate the rain. Yeah. No, it was a, it was a good day. Uh, let's see. How did I do? Oh, th- there, was, uh, there was a couple challenging shotgun stages. I did pretty good on those. Um, there was a, uh, oh, what was it? Like a, a shotgun pistol stage. I did pretty well on that one. 
and then there was a rifle pistol stage, and I got DQ'd because oh, how'd you I was do that? Uh, I was shooting my AR uh, through the VTAC, and uh, the accuracy, like, so I, I had to burn a couple of targets before I got to the VTAC, which was like the long range shots. So my barrel was really warm, and uh, and when I started shooting in the VTAC. Uh, my like I was pulling the trigger with the sights aligned on the target, and I was missing to the left, to the right, high. So like when that barrel was hot, the accuracy was just right out the window, and uh, and it got me really PO'd. And uh, when I went to dump my uh, dump my rifle, the barrel was uh, turned a little bit to the side. It wasn't like turned towards me. And as I threw it in, it caught on the magwell and then fell out. Oh. The gun was empty. The gun was empty. Yeah, but, but it fell. Uh, you, but yeah, it you still technically fell to the dropped ground. your gun. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so I got DQ'd from uh, from that stage and from from the match, right? Because it's not mm-hmm. like none of my scores going to count anymore. No, no such thing as a stage DQ. Well, they're yeah. not running Ipsic, right? So they could come up with that rule if they wanted to. That's a good point. Yeah. No, no DQ is a DQ. So, anyways, I got I got disqualified from there. I was <laughs> got all these like really decent times so it would have been in the top five for sure and uh and then i got dq'd on this hey, stupid we, rifle falling out of a barrel we've all i'm been fine there with it. oh i'm i'm totally fine with it it's, yeah, uh, it's fine. Kelly, i kelly wasn't uh, yet. <laughs> well that's because kelly doesn't shoot that <laughs> there way you go. like us there cool guys go. soon <laughs> oh kelly you're not cool you hear that <laughs> i heard yeah that's awful <laughs> Yeah. If you're a social so, justice warrior now you're an uncool social justice warrior exactly <laughs> you can't win today no sorry Adriel, what we say is um, there are two types of shooters, those that have been DQ'd and those that will be DQ'd. So yep. everybody gets one. No, nope. uh, and like I, I don't mind it that much because it was it was like fully under my control. Like I could have carefully placed that rifle in that barrel instead of chucking it, but uh, I threw it in there and it bounced out. <laughs> oh, that's man. I, all me. <laughs> I, I can just, I, I just picture. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to tell the. About the time that uh, Bolivar came down, I think it was our second or third. Um, Owen was there. Maybe it was our second year. It was the one with the jail stage after the national. So it was 2013. So it was our second year because our first multi gun at my club was in 2012. Oh yes, Matthew, I remember the story. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm our Owen Matthew, and he he literally he doesn't even approach the barrel. He throws the shotgun in the barrel. And I'm watching the shotgun in midair come so close to breaking 90. I'm like, oh, my God, he almost broke 90 by throwing his shotgun. But I didn't it, break 90, and it no, went in the barrel. Yes. <laughs> Those it, javelin it, lessons came in real handy. You, I didn't have to go have, all the way over to the barrel. I just chucked the shotgun in and uh, drew and kept going. It I had a good time re- on that stage, if I remember right. Yeah, everything was great. But, man, I, like you, you see the video. Go to his YouTube channel and look up the 2013 multi-gun. And the one with Bolivar in it, that'll tell you that you got the right one. And watch my face as he throws his shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> that, kids, if you look up disgusted in Webster's Dictionary, you'll see that look. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so the the thing I'd like to rectify is, well, yeah, I'll, I'll rectify my throwing ARs. <laughs> yeah, not getting DQ'd. I'll, I'll work on that, but... Uh, the one thing that uh, I think can be improved, uh, uh, and all it does is cost money, <laughs> is yeah. uh, is the stringing on on that rifle. So it's got a, a government profile barrel on it. I think it's a uh, Spikes Tactical. It's a Spikes Tactical, just like a standard mil spec uh, 16 inch barrel. So it's got like the uh, the little step down for the M203 grenade launcher. It's got like the cutouts for. Uh, 
uh, an iron front sight. It's got <laughs> like if you look at, at at a government profile barrel, they've got like ups and downs like all over the place. It's not a it's not like a sporting rifle barrel where it's a it's a nice smooth transition. Well, you never um, know when you need to put one of those grenade launchers on your on your yeah. rifle for you know three gun. Yeah, exactly. Texas Star, what Texas Star? It gone. But isn't it funny, Adriel, that you know the government profile barrel is the one that the government uses, and you it's supposed to be used in combat, and once it heats up, it just totally loses its accuracy. So you've got to go from well, a barrel that's supposed to be intended for service to a heavy barrel so that you don't lose accuracy in a match. Well, and it depends on the barrel too. Like some some people's barrels um, do really well when they get hot. They only go to like four MOA kind of a thing if if they start getting roasting. But uh, this one in particular, it's just it just seems like if it gets hot, uh, accuracy goes out the window. So this is uh, the, uh, the one I'm replacing it with is a Rainier Arms match barrel. So it's a, a stain like a bead blasted stainless guy. Uh, 16 inches still because I, I like that length. It gives me a little bit of room out the front of my forend to uh, kind of poke through a barricade or something like that. Uh, it, it uses an SPR profile, so instead of uh, instead of those ups and downs like the the government model, it uh, it's got more of like a straight and uh, fewer steps down. It only really steps down. It doesn't step up and down and all over the place like uh, like the it's other tapered. Uh, style. It's it's tapered. The taper's nice, and it's it's a nicer taper too, in in my opinion. Uh, one and eight twist, which is enough for me. I don't, I don't really shoot a lot of like heavy, heavy bullets just yet. Uh, a mid length gas system. So my, my old barrel was a, a carbine length gas system on a 16 inch barrel, which is not really ideal. And that's one of the reasons why they, they came out with the mid length gas system was to, uh, to work with those barrel lengths a little bit better. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm going for that. Uh, and it uses a, a two, two, three wild chamber, uh, which is kind of like a, a compromised chamber that lets you shoot 223 and 556 spec ammo safely in a, in a chamber um, you can do that with a 556 chamber but apparently this 223 wild uh, handles 223 ammo better and will shoot it at, uh, like more accurately in the 556 again your mileage may vary depending on your rifle and your barrel and and all that kind of thing right uh, so long story short a match barrel uh, for my AR so that it'll be more accurate and hopefully it won't uh, string so bad when it gets uh, when it gets piping hot. Like mm. keep, keep in mind, like that's at like it starts stringing after like thirty rounds, like real real quick. So it's uh, it's starting to get pretty warm after after that, and uh, I don't want it to. I want it to keep shooting accurately. <laughs> and, my uh, um, yeah. just to let you know, my stag barrel, the the my STI AR, my three gun AR has a barrel off of a stag three G. It's a their factory three gun rifle. Mm-hmm. And it's it's also a um, a one in eight, mm-hmm. and it will shoot fifty five grain very accurately. So just because you got a one in eight, um, you're probably still going to be super accurate with fifty five grain bullets. You're not going to have to go out and start trying to find match grade sixty nine or seventy seven or anything like that, or even sixty two. Well, this other barrel, the one that I'm I'm taking off, is a one in seven twist. So it's even a tighter twist. Um, now I've, I've heard conflicting reports on whether there is such a thing as too much twist in an AR barrel. So like whether a one in seven is a bad idea to shoot 55 grain ammo through, uh, it, it's a lot more twist than you need to effectively stabilize that bullet. Um, so like in, in my opinion, I don't know, I don't know. I, I mean, it's, it's tomatoes and, and potatoes here because <laughs> mm. we've got a, we've got a match barrel and then we've got like a rack grade government barrel. So 
you know, if if this new one's more accurate and I expect it to be, <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to put that down to twist or, or anything, right? I don't I've know heard who... that having too quick a twist rate is bad. I've heard that it uh, it will overstabilize and by overstabilize destabilize. But I've that, like you say, I get conflicting info on that too. So who knows if that's true or not? My my NEA is one in seven, and it's a fourteen and a half inch barrel. And I put my loophole AR scope on there, and I can shoot an inch with fifty five grain bullets at a hundred. Oh, well, there you go. So I guess that uh, yeah. And yeah. that was that was after I heated it up so much that it actually turned turned blue. <laughs> so I was worried that maybe I, I burnt it. So when I contacted NEA, they laughed at me. They were like, oh, well, you, <laughs> you turned it blue. Oh, poor you. Anyway, so I thought, well, I better check the accuracy. And so I threw the scope on. And, yeah, I was still getting an inch. I, I couldn't believe how accurate it was. So heating it up had zero effect on its accuracy. And then I was just impressed with a 1 in 7 shooting 55-grain bullets that accurately. Anyway, so I'll I'll swap that barrel out on Saturday here. Um, I also at the, at the same time, so I got that from CTC Supplies, um, and then I also got they've got Primary Arms, which is like a budget uh, optic that uh, that's somewhat popular in the states. And I got their uh, their one to six ACSS, which I mean it, it, the glass and the the scope itself is nothing special. The the reticle on it is really cool. Uh, it's it's got a lot of uh, like really practical ranging uh, hashes on there, and uh, yeah. So if I, I'm not going to take too much time here and describe it, but if you want to check it out, yeah, the the primary arms ACSS, um, and I guess I'll mount that this weekend as well. Um, and then right after the show here, um, a friend of a friend is getting out of pistol shooting, and they've got six pistols. So uh, my buddy and I are going to head over there and buy all his pistols because <laughs> he's selling them at for for really good prices so we're gonna buy everything so nice <laughs> next week i'm gonna have like i don't know i don't know i don't know if we'll get the transfer and everything done by next week but uh, next week you'll be trevor <laughs> we'll see <laughs> i'll go from one pistol in my house to seven. <laughs> oh, you gotta get to 10 to beat me buddy or 11 i'm at 10 now Everything is all the way up to eleven. Uh, thank you, Kelly. I was just gonna say everything is a contest. I'm yeah. also up to th- three airs. So what's I'm your actually... what's your total firearms count? I think it's twenty seven. Oh you're man, you got me you're beat. Listening you got me beat <laughs> hands down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anyways, uh that's what I was up to. Uh Kelly, what about you? Well, for the second time in a row, or a second week in a row, didn't go to the range. No range time. So, but uh, you know, you've still been very busy doing other stuff, though. Yeah, that's true. But during range time, I uh, I bet Sunday, Sunday went to the Lindhurst Gun Show and did some stuff for the CCFR. We were out talking to people and that, trying to get people to sign up for you know advocacy groups and because that's important. And uh, working on the calendar as well and doing some other things for the CCFR. So apparently, I'm no longer allowed to shoot. Like you guys say, I'm not a shooter anymore. Oh, <laughs> uh, we never said not anymore. We said you never were. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so apparently, I'm not a shooter. But I will, I'll go out there and tell people to go and join the uh, the groups. You mentioned something last week that I wanted you to elaborate on, and we didn't uh, come back to it. And we were joking about sighting in shotguns, and you said in passing that um, you're you've tried to set in your. Uh, which one do you have again? BR99. BR99. So, all right. Yeah. So what's what's going on? Why won't it set in? 
What is it? Uh, so it does have it does have those shims that we were talking about. Or Adriel, you were talking about them. Really? Shims for the length of pull or for the comb? Uh, no, shims for the. So it has almost like tech sites. They're not really tech sites. Little, anyways. So you can dial them in, but uh, yeah, we dialed it in a little bit. You you're not using like a, a red dot or something like that. Oh, why not? That that thing's begging for a red dot. Oh, I know. Just haven't bought one for it. Huh. Hey, I found something interesting out about those style shotguns on Saturday. So I brought out that uh, that MKA nineteen nineteen, um, yeah. and someone else had a Duria, and someone else had a, a BR ninety nine. You stripped and them apart, and they all had the same internals. Yes. The magazines are all different on all of them. Uh oh, that's irritating. So <laughs> they're all just a little bit different. So we tried uh, one in another one, and it got jammed in there pretty good. And, uh, yeah, they're all just a little bit different dimensions. So um, I, I've been going off the assumption that these things were all the same operating mechanism. They all use the same mags. And uh, it seems like there's a little bit, of, at least in the, in the magazines, there's a little bit of difference between them. On the Duria, it's got like a quick uh, disassembly. And the MKA doesn't have that, and neither does the BR-99. Uh, um, yeah, so the, and there's more differences. So um, although I think, uh, although they use the same platform, I guess there's, uh, yeah, there's differences in, in all the other stuff. And the reliability was not as good as uh, your Stoger's and, and that kind of thing. My Stoger 3500 was just rock solid. Yeah. How has the reliability been on this 1919 thing? I I shot like five times before the match and it it, won, it jammed once, so I threw it to the side and I didn't use it for the match. But uh, this Saturday I've got a whole uh, uh, whole big box of ammo that I'm gonna run through it just to uh, beat it in a little bit. Maybe I'll get some three inch magnums and uh, and and run those. <laughs> there we go again. <laughs> you know, listeners, we do that on purpose because it pisses you off. I just want you to know it's our way of being passive aggressive. <laughs> so, how new uh, is it? Uh, brand, brand new, brand, brand new. new. So yeah, yeah, it needs to be worked in a little bit, right? What about yours, Kelly? Did yours need to be worked in? Yeah, we had to put through. Uh, well, uh, yeah, a hundred, hundred rounds. You put a hundred rounds of three inch magnum, and then it was. <laughs> <laughs> after that, it ran uh, two and three quarter, no problem. Yeah, two three quarter, no problem. Target load, it's good, good to go. Okay. No feeding, no more feeding issues or ejections or nothing. It no. just runs. It's it's smooth. Yeah. Okay. So was there actually an issue setting it in? Was it like poor yeah. design or doesn't work or what's up? So it does have it does have those. Sh- it has shims. Um, and you just dial it a little bit and I, don't, I can't picture what you're talking. It okay. has shims. What has shims? The front sight, uh, the rear sight, rear sight, rear sight. So yeah, you can dial it a little bit and adjust it. Um, they're kind of like uh, tech sites, but they're not really. You can flip them up. Um, anyways, so you can dial it in a little bit. I We tried uh, dialing it in, and it's still not perfect. So hey, you're right, Adriel. You, you should put a red dot on it. Well, they're simple. Like, well, it's not, that, it's not that much more simple, but uh, they're quicker to use, definitely. Yep. So, but I don't have one. haven't bought one for it. I need a red dot for my AR first. Just saying. One of my buddies got the uh, the Spark AR. Well, I, I think we were, we were talking about that on the uh, on the show there, and I finally got to shoot it at the uh, at that three gun match here, and it is 
simple. It's really tight to the to the rifle. Good. Uh, a lot the battery and all the buttons and all that kind of stuff are underneath. Whereas on like the Spark version one, which I've got, the buttons are on the side and it kind of makes it a little bit more bulky. This is like a really nice tight uh, fit to the rifle. So that's an option. Yeah, it is. Okay. So that's what I did. Do you guys want to go on to events? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Whatever. Uh, uh. <laughs> All right. So what do we got for upcoming events? The Ferlacci handgun course, July 15th and 16th in Alberta. It's full. So what are you going to do? we got a waiting list for both days now. So if you'd like to get on the waiting list, you certainly can. Um, and uh, if... Anybody drops out, we'll let you know, and you can have a shot at uh, getting on there. The 17th annual Hunter Sight-In and Swap Meet is October 22nd. Uh, that will be taking place at the Frontenac Rifle and Pistol Club in Kingston, Ontario, so you can bring surplus gear to trade or barter. And the Canadian Patriot Podcast and the International Liberty or Death Podcast are hosting a charity shoot at the Guelph Rod and Gun Club on November 5th. I'd like to talk about that one a little bit, Matthew. Um, if the listeners are interested in this, they should go to the Canadian Patriot Podcast Facebook page. They've created an events page for this. Um, this, uh, oh, and I suggest that you listen to the most recent episode of the International Liberty or Death Podcast. Uh, this is someone who is connected intimately to one of the hosts of uh, these two shows. So it's hitting really, really close to home for one of these guys. And um, if you can't go to the charity event, I would suggest going over to the GoFundMe page. And if you can afford it, flip them the match fee. That's what I did. I well, a couple of bucks more. But go, uh, you know, this is somebody that's uh, part of our community and being affected by this. And uh, the story can be heard on the International Liberty or Death podcast last week's episode. And um, if you can, uh, head on over. If you can't attend. At least, please, if you can, go over to the GoFundMe page and uh, and try and help out. Very good. Thank you for that. Uh, and uh, so, the news, <clears throat> we, uh, you know, we don't want to hype things up more than, than they really are, but somebody got shot in the face! Yeah. Oh! Yeah. With a bullet. The CBC, he survived a shot to the face. You know what? Because... Uh, being injured by an out-of-battery discharge just doesn't sound quite as uh, Not nearly as headline-grabbing as yeah, man survives right. shot to the face. Idiots. That just irritates me. I think so the story it, uh, is more that uh, CBC is uh, selling papers more than reporting the news than the story. Because the story, I mean, yeah, while interesting, it's not really overly abnormal. Guns fire out of battery on a semi-regular basis. It's dangerous, and you got to be careful. Yeah, you know, it's a good lesson yeah. to to be careful. But I don't think it's national newsworthy. Did I talk about what happened to the president of X Metal Targets? Not on the show. Uh, on the I don't show? Think. No. Yeah. I don't know if you were. Did you talk about it on the show? I don't remember. No, I don't think so. No. Okay. Well, while we were at the the Ipswich New Brunswick Provincials, Etienne Cote uh, was on the range, and I don't know who owned it, but there was a DA. 50. That's the Dominion Arms 50 caliber, 50 BMG upper that goes on your AR-15. Well, something happened. There was a catastrophic failure, a serious malfunction of some kind uh, that, to me, was an out-of-battery detonation. They found the um, case head, and the primer was clearly struck. 
So the round, a 50 BMG, went off before it was in battery, and it shredded his arm like So 35%. he survived a shot from a 50 BMG is what you're saying. Yeah, that's right. Exactly right. So yeah. Etienne got shot with a 50 BMG, and he survived it. And he survived, yeah. 35% damage to his right arm. His Sheesh. left hand was mangled. They he was he was literally hospitalized for a month. Uh, they took nerves out of his legs to repair the nerve damage. Well, that's in his basically arm. A, a little pipe bomb going off right next to you is what right that next. is. That's right. Yeah, that, that's freaking devastating, man. That's terrible. So for for that to have done that much damage, he must have he must have had that cartridge like in the chamber, almost but, in. But, yeah, but the lugs the lugs on the bolt not locked in because yeah. if it if it blows up. Uh, outside of the gun, and if it's just the cartridge, there's not going to be a lot of that. Like, th- this guy here got a, a pretty good gouge near his eye. He could have lost an eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, um, he just caught case, he just caught the case, right? Case yeah. Whereas it sounds like Etienne here, um, you know, the, the cartridge was in the, ch- probably in the chamber, uh, for it to pass that much energy to the bolt and then rip the bolt back and, uh, and hit him, right? Yeah. I mean, just destroyed the upper. It's like in pieces. That's crazy. And well, destroyed the lower as well. Yeah, and destroyed his arm. And destroyed his arm. Yeah. Yeesh. Yeah. No, you got to be careful with stuff like that. I mean, you can't. I mean, you can't fault the guy. It's, you know, I'm sure he didn't do anything wrong. His advice is: if anyone sees a DA50 on the range, you are to get in your car and leave. (laughs) Yeah. He doesn't like the way it's set up, eh? Don't be anywhere anywhere near it. Well, I mean, I mean, it's, you know, okay, it's nice for Dominion Arms to be making, uh, and Narenko to be making AR-15s and, and 1911s, but, you know, unless you're, you're, you're really on, on your game, you probably shouldn't be messing with rifles chambered in such powerful rounds as the 50. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. So. Hmm. Yeah. Well, well right. as it pertains to, uh, to this CBC article, actually, I did a a call with uh, with the reporter on this, and I tried to fix it's the, all your the fault. issues. No, this is <laughs> they had they had an initial version of the article up, and I'm like, uh, he didn't actually catch the bullet in the face. And like, no, the bullet was in the was in the gun, and it exploded. I'm like, no, that's the cartridge. So like he, like the bullet is the the heavy lead thing at the end. That's probably like somewhere in his barrel, like just just to, in in the front there. Uh, but he probably caught a case and they didn't fix anything. No, of course not. They don't know. They don't even, they couldn't understand what you were saying anyway. If you could have made it sound more sensational, they would have printed what you said. Yeah. But you were trying to sound realistic and authentic. They don't don't want that because they want to sell. Yep. They need those clicks. Yeah. The media, uh, uh, they have no integrity. No. (sighs) Anyways, that was that. Cool. All right, this next one is about Bill C-230. Who, uh, who's who got information on that? Uh, well, I posted this one in here. This was, uh, this was the bill to um, define what a variant meant. Uh, because <laughs> in our in our criminal code, a lot of the uh, a lot of the stuff around uh, uh, a lot of our firearms laws use these ambiguous terms that don't really have like a, a proper definition. Uh, they were trying to define a uh, variant. L- long story short, the conservatives voted for it. No one else did, and it failed. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not going to continue further than this. Now, one thing that I heard was that uh, the language in this bill wasn't that fantastic. So it might be a blessing in disguise that it didn't get passed. But uh, I haven't read the bill myself, and uh, so I, I don't have any opinion on this. 
Alrighty then. Well, I mean, I, I yeah, didn't read it either. This is the first I've heard of it, actually, so <laughs> it would well, be nice it, to get variant defined, but it would be nice if yeah. we got defined with some logic and uh, done properly. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think the, uh, you know, it, it would be nice if the uh, Blaze 47 wasn't uh, prohibited mm-hmm. as a, a variant of the AK-47. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, as with, because as that's not a variant. Uh, it really isn't. It just looks like it. <laughs> no. Yeah, so exactly. They needed to find that for sure. Just done yeah. right. That maybe would have spurred this on. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, the uh, uh, that's that's what the conservatives uh, uh, talked about was the fact that it was you know the Blaze forty seven is is a twenty two and it's not an AK forty seven. You can't sw- swap parts of the AK forty seven onto this plastic twenty two. Uh, but uh, yeah, it didn't uh, it didn't go through. Yeah, it didn't get passed. After the second reading. Hmm. Oh, well. All right. Well, thanks for that update, Adriel. And I guess that rolls us right into our main topic. Yeah. So this is uh, kind of the idea or what I wanted to do is just do a lightning round of uh, questions around hunting that that are kind of controversial. But knowing you guys, I think some of these are going to be pretty one-sided. But uh, just to start off with, and I'll just like throw these out there. And if, if you've got an opinion on it, just start talking. Uh, detachable magazine versus hinged floor plate. Detachable magazine. All the way. <laughs> hinged floor plates are dumb. Too slow to load. Too you slow to load, and you have to actually take your ammo off the hinged floor plate. You can't just open it up and throw it in your truck and move on. You have to actually take it like a detached mag, just pull it out of your rifle and, you're, you're, and, and jack the one round out of the chamber and you're empty. Like it's mm-hmm. just, yeah. Kelly? Also, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Kelly, do you have a, a, an opinion on this? Do I have an opinion? Yeah. I, hey, you know what? I don't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. You just don't shoot wrong, competition. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, detachable magazine is easier. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm detachable yeah. magazine as well. I mean, uh, especially here in Alberta, if you're going to like cross a highway or something like that, you're going to have to be unloaded. Hey, so <laughs> do you want to do you want to like walk around with like a handful of like five rounds, or do you want to just pop your mag out and and you rack the action like uh, Matthew was mentioning there. That's right? that's normal though, right? That most people in most provinces you have to have an empty gun to cross the street. Uh, yeah. Because mm. I think it's the same way in Ontario. I don't think you can. Or, I, at least I know you can't hunt from the road. Why did the chicken cross the road? So he can load his gun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, I, I think Trevor and I we're really lucky in New Brunswick where we can hunt from the road if we want to. There's no the road is part of outdoors, so they don't really they don't make us unload our gun to cross the street, and we don't have to step seven meters off the side of the road in order to pull the trigger. We can shoot anything from anywhere as long as we look both ways first, I guess. Do you have to unload your gun if you get into a quad? Yes, any motorized vehicle you have to have an unloaded vehicle yeah. or unloaded gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there again, that's even that's on a gun range, some people work. will tell you. <laughs> um, but. But yeah, you're right, Adriel. Even even there, it's nice to have the detached mag because you can just un you know take the mag out and you're good to go. Now the the argument that I've heard for um, hinge floor plates, yes, is that oh well, you could drop your mag while in the field. You're well, right. You certainly could. You could also drop your rifle or your cell phone or your GPS or your compass or your hat or you could drop anything out there. Well, let's think about all the uh, modern military rifles where they're used, the field, and all of their mags are meant to be detachable, so mm. that argument doesn't hold water with me. No. 
Especially since most mags have like holes in the bottom to let the water drain out. Well, you could uh, put a little loop on there and like tie up a lanyard to your uh, magazine yeah, and just uh, rope rope it to your gun. There You'll you never go. lose it. Don't yeah, want to rope. Forgetful per- person. Yeah, good to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, next one here. This is for shotguns. Uh, Sabo or <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course, tw- twelve gauge. But uh, Sabo or Forrester style slugs. I think it's Foster, isn't it? Foster. 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 Yeah, Foster style slugs. I think I'm not a scientist, but I think I I prefer Foster personally. Let's because... define them. Let's okay. define them first for people that don't right. know. Maybe because they're not a lot. They're terms that don't get thrown around a lot. All right. Foster versus Sabo. Which is which? Okay. Well, Sable's the Sabo not... slug has a plastic or similar um, encapsulation around the 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 projectile in order to seal it in the chamber. Where a Foster style is just a big lead chunk that just goes tearing down the barrel. Yeah, right. so your your foster slug looks like a regular shotgun shell until you look at the end and see this big one ounce chunk of lead, and a sabo, as you said, it looks like an actual bullet wrapped in plastic. Yep. Now I've been told that sabo slugs only work in rifled right. barrels. That's where I was going to go with this. Yeah, if you if you have a rifled shotgun barrel, then yeah, sabo slug for sure. But if uh, I prefer Foster because I don't have rifled shotgun barrels, and the Foster slug can be used in both rifled and smoothbore, and they're still fairly accurate in a smoothbore. So okay. that's what so I next, go with. Next question then, Matthew. What if you owned a rifle w- or shotgun with a rifled barrel? Which would you use? If I owned a shotgun with a rifled barrel, I would probably yeah. use the Sabo slugs. Right. Okay. Then you would go to the Sabo, and that's because of the the technology of the projectile. It actually is built with yeah. a well, yeah. the projectile is a lot lighter than the one-ounce chunk of lead, right? And so you get mm-hmm. much higher velocities, and you get a stabilized projectile because your barrel's rifled, and so it's spinning. So and as it's, opposed to just a chunk of lead, it actually is constructed like a... It's a jacketed, it, yeah, jacketed hollow point, jacketed polymer tip. However, there's all kinds of different designs out there. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Better okay. technology. Yeah, it's it. You uh, can basically get rifle accuracy, well, very close to rifle accuracy and rifle velocity out of a shotgun. And they came up with this because some provinces have shotgun only hunting, and yep. you can get this ammo and get a rifled shotgun barrel and be legal while using right, you know, centerfire rifle velocities and accuracies. So it's kind of cheating the system, but oh, it's big legal. Time. So off yep. you go. Doesn't bother big- me none. Guys are putting scopes on their 12 gauges yep. and shooting sabos. Well, as I understand it, the logic behind that was they didn't want high-powered rifles out in densely populated areas. Mm-hmm. But what they failed to realize is that a one-ounce chunk of lead flying at 1,200 feet per second goes through more things than a half-ounce chunk of lead at 3,000 feet per second because it's going to vaporize if it hits something, whereas the one-ounce chunk of lead going much lower is just going to punch through it and keep on going. So they, they thought they were making it safer, but in reality, they didn't. See, Adriel, it is the 9 versus 45 debate. All over again. <laughs> it applies in hunting. Yeah, and I, I think it's another one of those examples, Matthew, maybe where the legislators aren't hunters. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I don't think that people should be making laws if they don't know what they're talking about, but that would basically Imagine mean that. no laws. <laughs> yeah. Anarchy! <laughs> uh, What's next, right. Adriel? Next. Uh, lever action 3030s. Totally useless or just mostly useless? <laughs> Not, uh... Ooh. Just mostly useless. <laughs> I don't hate no. them. No, they have a place. 
That's right. Just mostly you useless. Hunt the thirty thirty. These I have, days, I, I have would. 30. I would. I would. To- I want. I'm actively seeking a pre sixty four uh, Winchester model ninety four pre sixty four model, so that because it's a better better quality, and I don't really care about the condition. I want the better gun, but it it totally be a trunk gun. I don't care if it gets scratched or dinged or whatever, um, because it's a perfect bush rifle. Like. Inside, I mean, iron sights inside a hundred, no problem for a white tail. If, to me, you know what I want to use it for? I want to hunt from a tree stand with a thirty thirty using iron sights to shoot a deer or a bear. That'd be cool. From horseback would be, you know, the ultimate cowboy fantasy, though. Oh, yeah. I don't have cowboy fantasies. <laughs> so I regretted saying those words as soon as they left my mouth. However, <laughs> it's uh, it's too late. It's Ma- out there. Matthew has ultimate cowboy fantasies. And they, they don't all involve of the fantasies deal with guns, though, so it's they okay. They don't involve a football team from Dallas. <laughs> they do not. <laughs> I hope not, because if nope. you're having ultimate Dallas Cowboy fantasies, anyway, yes. Though, I, Adriel, I don't look. Here's the thing: the the thirty thirty is outdated. It's not modern tech. There are better cartridges, but it'll yep. still kill a deer. Yeah, everything will kill a deer. Let's I mean, let's, let's say that. I mean, if 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 we're gonna re- limit it to taking shots from a, a tree stand, any firearm that's it that center fire is probably going to do it sure yeah but uh, it's so short and compact and fast because it's a lever action i mean it's just you're right there's you that nostalgic factor yes. to it too right yeah. and so sometimes it's fun to hunt with the old cowboy gun and yeah. adriel uh, adriel i'm looking uh, on my computer right now for a photo that i'll send you after the show of a group i shot with my 30 30 off sandbags at 100 i think you'll be pleasantly surprised I couldn't get really good accuracy. So I've 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 hunted with thirty thirties. I really like carrying them. The the carryability of just like oh, grabbing it around the receiver there and walking it. with it is so good. Yes, it is. Uh, the the thirty thirty I hunted with had the buckhorn sights and they're that's what I have. Uh, I've oh I I hate I hate them so much. I hate the buckhorn sights. It's like uh, they're solving a problem that wasn't a problem. Just um, give me freaking yeah, give me a blade and <laughs> a regular blade and a notch. It's all I need. It's all I ask yeah. for. Yeah, it's mine. Also has the front uh, hood. Yeah, the front hood, but I take yeah. that off because it just not enough light. You're right. Mm. Yep. All right, I'll uh, I'll jump to the next topic here then. Copper bullets versus cup and core. So a cup and core is like a regular lead and jacket uh, bullet. Uh, copper bullets would be like your TSXs, and I suppose there's an in between here with the uh, the chemically fused bullets that have the lead that's uh, that's fused to the jacket. I um. I'm not as paranoid as some people are about eating lead, mostly because I licked the walls as a child, and I'm sure I got all kinds of lead paint poisoning, but whatever. Um, But that being said, there is a certain appeal to hunting with an all-copper bullet, knowing that there's no lead contamination in your food at all. Yeah, like you said, if that matters to you. If that matters to you. But I think that's the only reason. Otherwise, the lead is the better option because you're going to get better terminal ballistics. Yeah, I like... uh... I like the terminal ballistics of lead. I mean, it it it, uh, it mushrooms at a lower velocity oh, yeah. generally, no, de- depending yep. on the on the on the jacket uh, mm-hmm. design and whatnot. Um, but it's it's usually got a, a bigger area of of terminal ballistics, and uh, they're cheaper, they're accurate, 
There's no special uh, magic uh, loadout you have to do. Like when you're reloading, you don't have to use some different uh, powders or different uh, powder amounts. All the lead ones or all the lead yeah. ones, they're all the no, same. I understand the all-copper argument. I do. But I don't have a problem with just cutting out you know, that chunk of flesh that the bullet tore into and just throwing it away. And then you don't have to worry about the lead poisoning at all because it's all gone. Now I think that the one exception I'd give is if you're if you're going to go with like a ridiculous magnum and uh, and blast something that at, at like really close. Uh, well, if you're going to do go- that, you're probably varmint hunting, and who cares? No, <laughs> no. Like let's say, let's say you did something real silly, like shot a shot a deer at 80 yards with a 300 wind mag in like a 150 grain bullet. Like that was silly, right? It was 88 yards. <laughs> Uh, Trevor and I were talking about that just before the show today. <laughs> yep. Well, that's that that's a special example. So, I mean, if if I was if I was shooting a 300 wind mag at deer uh, and I wanted to use like a light fast bullet, so I got that that really flat uh, trajectory, I'd probably go copper on that because uh, you're going to be slamming them at some really high speeds. Yep, there is that. You know, my my preferred method though is just shoot them in the head. Don't have to worry about it. <laughs> nah, it sucks. <laughs> That's coming don't, up. <laughs> don't have to worry about headshots with lead or, or lead poisoning with headshots, unless you want to eat the brain, of course. But that's just weird. That or you have weird. to turn it in. We have to turn in the uh, deer heads in. You have to uh, turn in your heads. Yep. Why? Weird. To prove because that... they're they're watching for uh, uh, chronic wasting disease, and they want to track oh, how far it's yeah. going. Gotcha. So they need to. So you <laughs> hack off the head and bring it into the station. Do you, do you like put so it in macabre. your bed? They've they've got <laughs> that would that would be funny. <laughs> Bring it down to the university and be like, here's a deer head. Funk. <laughs> so it's it's even weirder than that. Uh, you have to. There's these freezers around on the at, at in these small towns, and you like you put this all this information on a piece. Mommy, of Mommy, can I get a coke? <laughs> sure, son. There's a fridge right over there. Ah! <laughs> it's a, a freezer full of deer heads. <laughs> Traumatized for life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. So I mean, I guess you couldn't shoot him in the head if you were going to do that. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I like I like cup and core. I, I like the fused bullets as well. So your acubons and your federal fusion and that kind of thing. Well, it just uh, basically the bullets, does a, yeah, it does the same thing, right? All the lead just gets stuck to the the jacket so it doesn't just spread out all over the place it'll, the it'll still come off it'll still get wiped off if you if you push them really fast but they do a better job of holding on to the lead like right. if you shoot a cup and core uh at, at, at a deer what you'll find at the uh, um under the skin if you find your bullet is you might find the bottom bit of the cup uh full of lead and then top bit of the jacket just kind of like bare and like right. there won't be lead on it so all that lead um, stripped so off you, yeah, you lose a, you lose a lot of weight. So I mean, the the bonded ones do a better job of holding onto the leg, uh, onto their lead. They'll uh, penetrate a little bit better, and they're still pretty cheap. So they're not like a, an expensive one like uh, the copper bullets, right? Right. Moving on. All uh, right. Three three hundred Win Mag, best cartridge ever. So why do you need anything else? You really don't. Three hundred Win Mag, or you know, that's what you need for the smallest of deers. Um, you know, prairie dogs. <laughs> Is great for them. Uh, groundhogs, Hogs. crows, uh, sparrows, squirrels. <laughs> you know, three hundred. You basically have to have a three hundred wind mag or else you can't kill anything. You have to. It's 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 basically it. That's the only thing available. Three. So here's my opinion. Three hundred <laughs> wind mag is going to kill everything in North America 
but potentially so could a 308 if you're loading correctly or buying the right ammo and if you shoot it in the right spot right so shot placement matters um the thing about a, th- a 300 wind mag is some people are recoil sensitive and even though you're only taking one maybe two shots in the field it's in their head and they're going to flinch before yep. and you know so it just it, it, one it's overkill in some cases two it's too much recoil for some people I mean, my problems with the wind mag aren't anywhere near what my problems are with the short mags, like the 270 short mag, the 300 short mag, even the 223 short mag. Like, those things are just an abortion of a cartridge. Like, they'd never needed to be created. No. They they don't do anything that other rounds won't do. And there's nothing that I can kill with a 300 wind mag that I can't kill with my 30-06. And I bought my 30-06 because it'll kill, a, it'll kill everything in North America and it'll do it with less recoil and less uh, of a hole in my wallet. Oh, that's true, too. Yeah. I mean, you're talking well over $80 a box for a box of 300 Win Mag. Wow. That's disgusting. I can get, get, you can get it cheaper or you can reload, and, and, and you can mm-hmm. do 300 Win Mag pretty cheap if you reload. Well, you get yeah, 100 rounds for an $80 I mean, box, right? Nope. <laughs> so, you know, I can buy premium... Um, 30 out six for under 50 bucks yeah yeah premium premium magnum loadings are usually <laughs> that's i i think the bullet manufacturers and the, the ammunition manufacturers are, are making a, a higher profit margin on those yeah probably yeah. so yeah it'll kill everything but there are other things that'll that'll kill things just as dead for less money and less recoil well and i think uh, i think a lot of new hunters are attracted to the 300 win mag because it's got uh, a lot of flexibility you can shoot like an elk or a moose at 400 yards and it'll have the power to do that yep. but uh that's like for that flexibility you're paying a price and the price is uh recoil that's over the the limit of what most people can take uh and not develop a flinch so mm. I think it's uh like just just on that basis alone. I think it's better to go with a a more reasonable cartridge that will still do the job. Like a thirty odd six or a two seventy is fine, or through three oh eight, whatever. Um, and it won't. Uh, it's not as likely to to give you that flinch as a as a three hundred win mag is. A lot of a lot of guys around here, especially in Alberta here, they they all go three hundred win mag because it's the best and it's the most flexible and whatnot. And then you see them shoot at the uh, at the range just before November, and they've got terrible flinches, and yep. they can't get good groups. And they're like, "This gun's no no any good." It's like, "No, the gun's <laughs> fine. It's, it's gun's you. fine." Yeah, exactly. And uh, and, and the ammo that's uh, that's causing you to flinch. A lot of people love it around here too, Adriel, and they claim because of the killing power, and they never have to track their moose, or they never have to track their you know, their it's they're compensating for shot placement, right? But it doesn't. It doesn't make a difference. Like if you if you shoot something in a bad spot with a 300 wind mag, that deer is gone. And, and, and if you shoot it in a good place, they're gonna drop with a 300 wind mag or, or drop with a 308. Like you I've got it. Uh, I I see no difference in that bang flop. It happens about 50 percent of the time when you when you shoot a deer. It'll just like 50 percent of the time if you get it in the right spot, it'll just like keel over die. and die. Yeah. The, the the power you put behind it makes no difference. I shot a deer with a, a 338 Lapua. And uh, uh, hit it in the same spot as every other deer out there, heart and lungs, and that uh, still trucked for forty yards before it keeled over. And that's a that's a big bad round, right? Yeah, yeah. it is. No, no, I I said that's the reason. I didn't say they were correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, that deer that I shot with the three hundred win mag, 
it 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 the listeners that have been listening forever have heard this story many times by now, so I apologize, but it knocked it right off its feet. All four feet were up in the air kicking, it landed on its back, like it just cleaned it, knocked it right off its feet. It got up and ran fifteen yards and then died. And the there were five ribs broken right across the top, up at the top of the rib cage cage close to the spine. So it was like it got hit by a truck and still it got up. Like, I mean, I, when I thought of this thing literally get knocked off its feet from the energy, of the impact, I thought, oh, yeah, we're gonna, we don't have to track that thing a, an inch. <laughs> and then it got up and ran. I was like, how is this possible? <laughs> I was just I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. How is this possible? And uh, but, yeah, it, it only went 15 yards. So, yeah, I mean, that's good. It, it, it definitely had the power it needed, but, it, you know. It doesn't, that, that's, you know, too much power is the right amount of power, but it doesn't have to be that much. That's right. And I mean, it, but you know, oh, you shoot a deer with a 300 wind mag and you're going to blow the leg off and you're going to have a, a football no, sized hole. No, no that's not, not going to happen. It doesn't no. happen. The, my, uh, my deer didn't even have an exit wound. We found the round in yeah. the hide on the other side. No, I mean, cool. if you've, if you've seen the people who hunt deer with like a 50 BMG, even that doesn't blow a hole. It doesn't blow a football sized hole out in the other side or anything. It punches a hole. It's bigger than the, than a regular rifle, uh, round will be, but it's not huge. It's not fist sized or anything like that. Yeah, it's, it's not just like a, you're hitting it with a tank grenade or anything. No. Yeah. People, people no, over, over imagine how powerful guns really are. I remember, <laughs> funny, funny side note. Uh, there's a new range when uh, has been put up in Florenceville. Trevor knows it. He's been there. Um, and you can see it from the road. And a person was talking to me, and I'll, I'll leave the person's name out of it just for the sake of embarrassing them. Uh, don't want to embarrass them. And they're like, those, those berms are pretty close to the road. Can a bullet go through one of those berms? Like, isn't that dangerous? No, no wow. bullets don't go through berms. They can't go any more than an inch into the dirt before they stop. But well, people, maybe an AK-47 would go well, through. Well, an AK-47 with a banana clip will basically cut a man in half. But other than that, yeah. but yeah, yeah. no. Um, you know, people overestimate how powerful guns really are. And I think that that's due largely in part to watching movies. Hollywood, yeah. Now, yeah. that being said, if you had told me that shooting a, uh, a snowshoe hare with a 17 HMR was going to completely destroy the ribcage on the opposite side, I would have went, nah, can't be that bad. Oh, it's that bad. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, that's a pretty yeah. small it's, animal it's, too, right? It's it's what you would imagine should happen to a deer when a deer is hit with a 50 BMG. Right. Only it doesn't happen to a deer when you hit right. a deer with a 50 BMG. The scale doesn't doesn't go up the no, same way. No, it doesn't. It doesn't but scale if you're looking <laughs> if you're looking for colossal damage on an animal with a round, go shoot some jackrabbits or some snowshoe hares with a 17 HMR inside of 50 meters, and if you're after carnage. You will be happy. That being or said, 17 snow hornet. or seventeen hornet. But that being said, snowshoe hares are particularly fragile because I've yes. done the same thing with a twenty-two, seventy-five yard shot, and I hit it with a twenty-two, and I walked up to it, and I was gobsmacked that the other side of it was laid open and guts were everywhere. Yeah, it's crazy. So they're just they're just a very fragile animal. There's just oh, not much to it. them. I just smelled it. I could just I could smell the you know sometimes. Yep. A memory will like mess with you. Yeah, I could. Ju- I could just smell the rabbit just now. <laughs> <laughs> they don't that actually smell all that bad on the inside. Well, I'm- well, I mean, it's not like a tom tom, but when <laughs> it's on the outside, it's uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> Anyhow, 
Yeah, right. that well, is not worse fine. on the outside. Yeah. Talking about exploding animals, uh, do you guys reload your hunting ammo, and what kind of bullets do you do you use if you do? I use grenades, uh, tank grenades, basically. <laughs> That's why my animals, Good. all my animals, blow up and mince meat right away. Uh, I don't know about well, Kelly. You're not into reloading yet, are you? Nope. No. Are you not exactly into hunting yet? Are you? Nope. No. Okay. <laughs> You're really contributing a lot to this conversation <laughs> so far, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I've been talking to Stacy. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right, Stacy. <laughs> so, Sorry to interrupt you. You just you just on. keep yeah. going. You guys yeah. carry on. I'm listening. Go ahead. Um, I, I want to speak for Matthew, so I will. I'm not even going to say. Well, not that I don't want to speak for Matthew, but Matthew, you load two two three, right? Yes. And so, the, have you killed anything with your two two three loads yet? Of course. Okay. I, had... I shot a I shot a crow out of a tree at 250 yards with my axis. <laughs> Nice. With one of your hand loads? With one of my hand loads. Fantastic. <laughs> so I'm loading Adriel uh, 30 out 6 and 223. And out of my 223, the most accurate bullet I found is anything between a 40 and a 45, screaming fast. Like I put in, uh, I used to put in 27.5 grains of Varget, which was the max charge. Um, I thought a 50. Anyway, I'm, I'm still developing a load for both, basically. Uh, Hornady bullets, Nosler bullets. I've got some 165 grain Amax that I'm going to roll up some 30-06 test loads for. I'm using all my precision reloading equipment right now to make match-grade hunting ammo. I like how you still haven't figured out all your, all your loads yet. I, I, uh, I, I started reloading 223, what, two years ago, three years ago, four years yep. ago? And within a week, I had developed my load, and I haven't changed it since. And I still get sub half, sub sub MOA accuracy. Right, out but of it's my not axis. a tar- but it's not a target rifle. You should be chronographing that and seeing what your velocity is, and then deciding if you want to lose some accuracy and gain some some kill power. Sure, I guess, but I still think it's fine. Right. According, you- I, I haven't chronographed it, but according to the charts, I'm getting the I'm getting the velocities that I need. Yeah. No, I. Uh, you're right. I, I just. I'm never satisfied with the group that I'm getting out of that two two three rifle. Well, so, I don't think that's. I think that's your rifle. Honestly, we've talked about this before, but I don't think you get. I don't know. I know you paid a lot for it. I know it's a good rifle, and other people get good results, but you just aren't getting good results. I think you need to get a different gun. Well, yes and no. I get acceptable MOA accuracy and even sub MOA accuracy on occasion at two hundred. With Winchester white box, 45 grain, jacketed hollow point. But I want to improve on that, so I've been trying to load my own. The problem is, I have a 1 in 12 twist barrel on that rifle. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I won't, it won't drive a heavy bullet. So no, I'm, you got to shoot light. To, yeah, so I'm shooting 40 and 45 grain bullets. Even 50 grain bullets it doesn't like. So, and the other thing is, I don't have time. I'll go to the range once or twice a year, shoot a couple of groups, and then not go back. Right. And uh, I do too much. I'm trying to work yeah. on a target rifle, and now I'm trying to l- develop a load for my hunting rifle. And I've only gone to the range with test loads for my 30 out six once. Right. So yeah, when no. I when you're busy, back, you're busy. I mean, I, I, yeah. yeah. If I if I didn't review hunting rifles and I kept a hunting rifle for more than a year. Uh, I would probably reload. Like I remember, my first hunting rifle was a, a Savage in 270, and I reloaded for it, and I got a really nice tight uh, uh, load out of it. 
and I just made a whole pile of them. And, uh, you know, I think I made uh, 200 rounds. And that would have been good for life, right? Yep. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, the, w- the way I go right now, I, I buy a rifle for hunting season. I use it, and uh, I'm I'm just bu- I'm just using uh, factory ammo. I wouldn't I wouldn't if I was keeping it. If I was keeping it, I would uh, I'd probably reload, and I'd probably go for uh, Acubon bullets. If I was running anything like fast, right? Uh, usually, like a like a 270 kind of a thing. They're somewhere around that 2800 3000 FPS, and if you hit something really close, that's gonna wipe a lot of that lead off so i would probably go for an acubond and, and something like that um what kind of uh what level of accuracy is sufficient for hunting in your opinion it oh, depends I, on what you're hunting i always want moa or better i always want the most accurate that i can get period it does i don't this comes up a lot and i don't see why my hunting ammo has to be any less accurate than my target ammo well, here's the thing. We were just discussing how you thought that I should degrade my accuracy a little bit and get some more velocity. Uh, well, not that you should do that intentionally, but possibly as a result of getting more velocity, you might lose some. There's got to so, be a so, there, so what's the trade-off between accuracy and velocity? So well, right now you're you sub have MOA. a trade-off. Yeah, yeah, right now you're sub-MOA. And if I had that rifle, I would trade a little bit of that sub-MOA for a bit more velocity. So I would stop at MOA. Right. I'd crank it up until I, I got MOA or maybe inch, inch and a quarter, and then I would stop. Gotcha. See, or I don't then, think, uh, see, the, the, the axis is a varmint rifle, though, and I think that half MOA is really the peak. You don't want to go bigger than half MOA for varmint rifles because varmints are small. Well, our varmints aren't small. Well, that's true. You got a good point there. Our varmints aren't small. I could go up to MOA with our varmints and still hit them every time. So yeah, our smallest varmint is a young crow. Otherwise, you got big, you got big groundhogs and coyotes and. Yep, that's true. It's not like we're shooting those Richardson ground squirrels out here. Exactly. Unfortunately, but that's because we haven't transferred any in. Yeah, have you shipped? (laughs) You haven't shipped those over yet, Adriel. You need to send us a box. (laughs) I'm gonna live trap some. Yeah, live trap them with your 17 HM. Oh no, that won't work. No, nope, <laughs> yeah, I think I think accuracy wise, um, here uh, I disagree with Trevor a little bit. I think that if uh, you're hunting moose, you need to be sub moose heart. If you're hunting deer, you need to be sub deer heart. I think whatever your target is, you need to be able to hit smaller than that. But you don't need to necessarily be MOA. You need to be able to be accurate enough to kill the animal cleanly. Within your comfort zone. So as long as you're able to do that, I think whatever accuracy level your rifle is at is fine. As long as you can kill the animal ethically and cleanly. I don't think there's a number. I don't think it's MOA. I think it's whatever animal you're at, look at the kill zone. It's got to be smaller than that. I think for uh, if, if you want to get the most utility out of a hunting rifle, then you need MOA. I because agree. that's that's where like if you if you only have one gun and yes. you could potentially take something at twenty five yards or two hundred or three hundred, sure, absolutely, MOA is a way to roll. Yep. But if you've got multiple guns, like Trevor was talking about using the uh, uh, thirty thirty from a tree stand or something like that, if you can limit the distance at which you're shooting your game to fifty yards, then three four MOA is fine. It'll mm-hmm. shoot. Uh, you could yeah. even use an SKS at that distance. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I was, was going to say that. I mean, if, if if it's within range of the of the thirty thirty, it's it's within range of an SKS. Now, and you can just put the bayonet on and stab it at that range. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or or you know, um, 
some guys will use like mill serps and that kind of thing, right? So they'll yeah. they'll have their super gun, their their bolt action scoped rifle for the long stuff, but then they'll have maybe like a car like a K98 or a Mosin or uh, uh, one of those Swiss K31s or something like that for the close in stuff because they want to hunt with the mill serp as part of the experience, right? Yep. Uh, what do we got next here? And for you guys, do you guys shoot for heart and lungs? Do you guys punch the front shoulders, or do you guys shoot for the head? I always go for the vital organs. Depends on what I'm hunting. Oh if yeah, I thought, say, I thought it was a big deer question. <laughs> let's say, let's say, deer, if it's big, big game, game, then yeah, I I think heart and lungs is your best bet. Have you guys ever uh, done the the front shoulder shot? I wouldn't do it intentionally. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to pass through bone and ruin meat for nothing. It, there's not really a lot of meat, so I'll, I'll I'll be the devil's advocate on this one just to just to be a little bit contentious. But the the front shoulder shot um, when a, when an animal's broadside may be a good idea if you can't let that animal run one way or the other. So let's say they're on like the edge of a, a ridge or something like that, and <laughs> if you if you do the heart and lung shot, they're gonna like run off in in, in somewhere that you can't retrieve them. Um, then like a, a, a front shoulder shot will anchor them right there. It'll, you'll destroy both the front shoulders. You'll take out a lot of the heart, um, and the, the front of the lungs there just with the bone fragments. So it does work for that kind of thing, but it needs more accuracy. And, uh, and it, it, like you said, it does make a mess. It makes, it makes for a mess cleaning them up because you lose some of the, uh, the top shoulder meat there. And why, why wouldn't you shoot for the, uh, shoot for the head? It's too small of a target, and the potential for failure is too great. Yeah, sorry, yeah. My, my mic was muted. Yeah, the brain is too small. It's it's way smaller than the head is, and so people don't realize where the brain is. They just shoot it in the face, and that doesn't kill it, and you get a, an animal that's very much alive running off with half a face, and that's where horror movies come from, folks. <laughs> and anti-hunters be, and yeah. people that weren't anti-hunters become anti-hunters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's too yeah. many people out there that overestimate their ability and injure stuff. Yeah, you know. I think if you're, you know, if if you know that you are an extremely competent shooter and you know that your rifle is extremely accurate and uh, you're within, you know, 50 yards of a, a big moose and you know it's where his brain is, then sure, go for it. If if you know, but if you don't know, don't even try. Like you're not going to know until you have a dead animal first, and then you can look at it and see where the 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 uh, biology is of it, the uh, the way it's all laid out inside. So I don't think that your first time you kill an animal, you should be shooting at the head. You should be shooting for no. the vitals because that's where you know where the vitals are, and then you can figure out brain shots later if you want to get you know expert level or whatever. There's also yeah. you also have to always remember the path of the bullet and where it's going to exit. So you know the angle that it goes in is very very important when you take a hunter safety course, especially in archery. They talk about the angle that it comes in and what it's going to pass through before it goes out and hitting it in the head may not actually get the job done depending on the angle and where it's going to exit also yeah, the, you get a nice thick slope skull or something and right. the bullet just ricochets up and and a moose's yeah. skull is a lot harder than a moose's ribcage yeah it is so i mean there are even cases of people getting shot in the head with 45 acp and it rolling off and bounce, you know, and not penetrating. So yeah. headshots aren't always what they're. Uh, no. What's it cut out to be? Chopped up to be. Chopped yeah. up to be? There you go. Three he got a birds. text halfway through, so he got, he just kind of trailed off there. Worse. <laughs> so much worse. 
Uh, yeah. No, the other thing I would, I would add as well, if you're shooting for the head on a deer or something like that, they can move pretty quick. So you could be on, go to pull a trigger, commit, pull a trigger, and that, that head can move like half a foot by yep. the time you've pulled that trigger. So uh, getting a miss or a, or a, a, a near, uh, not a near hit, but uh, a poor hit on it where it's not going to do the job. Is, That's uh, right. Is I mean, they, possible. they can move their head way faster than they can move their body. So they can swing their head yeah. around real quick, and you completely miss. But they swing their head around real quick when you you know fire off the shot. Doesn't matter. Their their body hasn't gone anywhere yet. So bullet's still going to beat them to the punch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, semi-auto versus bolt. Do you? What do you guys uh, think? Oh, about you skipped the right semi-auto? over muzzle loaders. Muzzle loaders. Oh, do you guys? Okay, let's talk about that one. No, nope. uh, skip no, nope. skip it on. Move on. <laughs> Don't do those. I've hunted no. with a muzzle loader. Have you guys? <laughs> nope. And I had uh, for a while. I had a certain fascination with muzzle loaders. Um, I never bought one. I'd, I've never actually even fired. You one. also had cowboy dreams. I'd, I'd, <laughs> no fantasies, Trevor. Fantasies. Right, get bad. a straight and get your cowboy yeah. hat out. Speaking of straight, <laughs> <laughs> um, I I I think that if I reached a certain level in my hunting where it was no longer a challenge and it was just boring, then, you know, maybe muzzleloader is the next step. It's uh, it's kind of like archery where you've only got one shot. You can't really reload it quick enough. You, you really have to be sure that you're going to hit what you're aiming for. And so it just, I think it takes you up to that next level skill-wise, patience-wise, experience-wise, whatnot. I'm definitely not there yet, but Maybe someday. I don't. I don't have a problem with muzzle loaders at all, and I think they they are a fun challenge in their own right. I mean, inline muzzle loaders are are pretty accurate. So there's like the the challenge there is gone at least. But yeah, you you are stuck to the one shot, and there's no like even even with a, a Ruger number one, you can still reload that thing pretty quick. Mm-hmm. You can't do that with a with an inline muzzle loader. The thing I didn't like about hunting with one is. Uh, the the ammo is uh, it's not hydrophobic it uh, it attracts water so you right. have to clean them after you shoot them and uh, there's not really an easy way to unload them right uh, you basically so, just have to shoot them <laughs> yeah yeah you have to shoot them and you have to clean them after you fire a couple shots well, so I've seen I've seen the CO2 cartridge way of unloading them and that just seems like a waste. It seems like a lot of work, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you dump a bullet in your powder all over the place. And, yeah. Or your pellets, if you're going to use pellets. But uh, it, And I, I think I would I would use a muzzle loader if there was uh, if there was a season for it here in Alberta. Uh, there's not a season for it. It's not considered, like, there's no primitive weapon for muzzle yeah. loaders. There's just, like, with a bow, you can go early, but not with yeah. the muzzle loader. If there was, I'd, I'd go early. So there's I no mean, point. Know, yeah, there's no advantage to shoot to using them, so don't, basically. Or, Manitoba does. I think Manitoba has what they call the primitive season. They got like, at one time, I believe you used to be able to get like five tags in Manitoba. Oh, wow. For different uh, seasons and styles of uh, hunting uh, tool. Yeah. Yeah. There's some places that have like too many deer. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. In the city, I yeah. see monster <laughs> trophy bucks running around the city of Winnipeg. I'm like, what? Some of the biggest deer I've ever seen were in like downtown Winnipeg. Well, not downtown, but. Within the city limits of They're getting a latte at Starbucks. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, semi-auto versus bolt. Um, well, if you want to talk about that hunting accuracy and, and, and it not, and being minute of heart, then I think semi-autos are acceptable. I'm all about 
semi-autos for all things. I, you know, I just I think, like... I, I think semi-autos are particularly useful if you're predator hunting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I yeah, think, I you know, like anything else, um, it has its place, and as long as you get the required accuracy out of it, it's fine anywhere. But uh, I think if you're predator hunting, you should definitely have semi-auto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So try, goose hun- try, try goose hunting with a bolt-action shotgun. Yeah, there's that. Yep. Yeah, goose hunting with semi-autos makes a lot more sense than pump or single shot. <laughs> so yeah, I th- I would totally use an AR-15 to hunt coyotes oh, if uh, yeah, if it was legal. Oh, yep. even okay. So like for deer, an AR-10 because like an AR-10 would be right around a thousand bucks, maybe lower, and uh, they're very accurate. Uh, so I, I may use an AR-10 if, if, again, if they're unrestricted here in Canada, but since they're restricted, I will not. Well, there's the, uh, Alberta Tactical, uh, Modern Hunter. Yes. Uh. That's way more than a thousand dollars, though. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not at my pay grade. If I, if I made more, I would consider it because that, that is a, a match quality AR-10-like, uh, rifle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I, I mean, no... like otherwise, I I just use like like for big game. I totally I I love the idea of a bolt. They're accurate. Uh, they're very reliable, and uh, you get that one shot. I mean, yeah, pumps and levers and or levers or whatever you want to call them are uh, are faster. But that first shot is the shot that's going to do the do the damage. And if you well, miss with then... that one, you're not going to make it up with a second shot on the same deer, right? And and this should not have to be an issue, but it is. With a semi-auto, you've pressed the trigger, you've put down your buck, now you're all excited and jumping around. You've got a loaded gun. Uh-huh. Yeah. With a semi-auto, yeah. with a you know that like I said, that shouldn't be an issue. But we're all humans, and it, it, it and it is an issue. So with a bolt action, you press the trigger, the gun goes off. Your your gun is now safe until you rack the the bolt again. So mm-hmm. there's that to consider. But I think you know proper training would mitigate that quite nicely. But you know, it's just something to keep, to bear in mind. Yeah, exactly. Uh, would you guys hunt with a milserp? Why not? If it launches well, a bullet out accurately enough, yep. Do you do you consider an M three hundred five a milserp? Yes. Mm, kind of. Yeah. Kind of. What about a Lee Enfield? Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's probably for decades, Matthew. That was the most popular hunting rifle in Canada. What about a Bubba Sporterized Lee Enfield? Well. <laughs> I used one of those to shoot my second deer. Oh, well, there you go. Well, the reason yeah. why I asked about the M305 is because Owen killed at least one black bear with an M305. Yep. There you I go. And, I mean, I was able to hit 8-inch plates with my M305 and my Garand at uh, 100 yards uh, X-Metal target uh, hostage target with the red plate in the chest and then the red plate up by the head. I could hit that with uh, iron sights, my M305, and my Garand all day. So why couldn't I hit a deer or a moose or even all the way out to 200? Exactly. No, I got no issue with people sure. hunting with, with mill serps. That's a, a great a great genre of firearms. By great, if they're I mean, good enough for killing Nazis, <laughs> enough for killing good deers. Enough for deers. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've done quite a bit hunting with uh, mill serps. So I've I've got I, I'll usually have like my bolt super gun for uh, uh, for the long shots. But if I know I'm going close. Um, I, I tend to take out a Mulserp. This year I'll be bringing my uh, Garand out to uh, to do the close stuff. But uh, I've, in the past I've used SKS for close. I've used Mosin, that uh, 303 I've used. So um, yeah, it's kind of fun. I've also take, like, taken an SVT-40 out. But uh, Really? It, yeah, as long as it's close. 
I am quite taken with that rifle, I'm not going to lie. The SBT-40? Yep. Because it's semi. Cool. I just, yeah. It's semi and it's got a detachable box magazine. I don't understand why this didn't take off and become a bigger competition for the Grand when the Americans were carrying the Grand and uh, the Soviets were still carrying the Mosin and the Germans were carrying the um, the Mauser. Their, their main battle rifles were still bolt-action rifles. But the SVT-40 existed. I don't understand why it wasn't more popular. What am I? What what what? What don't I know about the history of these rifles? They're a pain in the butt to disassemble. And if you're like uh, uh, a conscript and you're not like a professional soldier, disassembling that SVT-40 is a total pain in the butt. There's uh, there's lots of little recoil springs. Taking the the main recoil spring out is a little bit tricky. And if it accidentally shot off, your recoil spring and the guide rod and whatnot are like in the snow somewhere. <laughs> and you have to clean it because it's, uh, you know, they're shooting corrosive ammo, right? So you have to clean this, this stupid semi-automatic rifle when the good old Mosin from the 1800s, uh, was a lot easier to clean. So I think it was, uh, uh, their conscripts kind of a thing, right? Okay. So the ammo back then was corrosive as well as the newer, corrosive ammo and uh yeah cleaning those in the field obviously you're right would have been an issue i wonder how much they cleaned their bothered to clean their battle rifles in the field like how many ak's do you think get cleaned on a regular basis out there in none ak's never jam you know (laughs) but they're they're shooting corrosive ammo over there and uh they don't have any humidity in the desert though so no moisture to attract so it can't rust okay so, all right. <laughs> I'm making stuff well, up as we go along. Well, but you know what? I've heard that, Matthew. Oh, I really? Have, I made yeah. that up just. <laughs> no, no. I have really, really, really heard that. No oh. kidding. Oh, interesting. Well, I mean, it, it, there's a certain logic to it. I don't know if it's true, but there's a certain logic to it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Uh, what level magnification is the best for a hunting scope? 100 or nothing. <laughs> uh, you know, three, 3 to 9 or 4 to 16. It depends on depends what you're on hunting, hunting and where and what you're range. hunting. Yeah. yeah. Overall. Yeah, a lot of these questions are really depends. <laughs> yep. On the animal, the terrain. But in like in general, if you're hunting uh whitetail deer or moose uh inside of five hundred, a three to nine is gonna be okay. A three to nine is one of the most popular magnifications for a reason. It it works very well. It's great well, at three for up close stuff and it's great long distance at nine. Yeah, I, I would agree, and I think too many people uh, choose to go for more magnification uh, and get a crappier scope. Yes, when I getting, would... getting the three to nine and spending more money on higher quality glass would be way better than getting the, yes. the crappier four sixteen or whatever. Uh, people underestimate how valuable it is to have good quality glass. Yep. Now, talk coming back to my two two three rifle. One of the things I did was I dumped the Bushnell 3200 3-9 scope in favor of a Vortex Viper 3-9, and it has helped. There's no question. Yeah. Yeah. But Well, I mean, the the, the 3200's okay, but it's not, like, the, the Viper's, like, what, three times more expensive? Mm, maybe double. Yeah. Yeah. So, it'll, like, the glass will be better on that thing. And the, oh, yeah. the surprising thing is that, uh, you know, you take your, uh, uh, take that Viper... Uh, three to nine, and compare it with a Tasco four to fourteen or something like that. You'll see more, and you'll be able mm-hmm. to resolve more with the Viper than you will with the Tasco. 
yeah more more magnification doesn't matter if it's not clear and, and you can't uh, you can't see it it's like exactly. zooming in on a low res picture you still you just get bigger pixels mm-hmm doesn't yeah. become any clearer it just it just gets bigger well and then the, and the, they're they're harder to acquire the uh the scope picture because yeah. they're like more finicky when you've got those higher magnification yeah uh, and you're, you're the higher magnification the smaller the exit pupil which means you have to put mm-hmm. your head in perfectly the right spot every time and it's hard to find uh hard to find even your your rear image mm-hmm. a yeah. lot of people don't realize yeah. that either so yeah. I, I'm personally my my favorite magnification is two to seven is my personal favorite. I think that that's the the perfect mix for the type of hunting I do. But uh, three to nine is also very very popular and a, a really good choice. It's, I, I would I would tend to agree with you. But the thing I like about three to nine is that everyone sells them and it's always the most popular scope that's because right. it's the most popular scope. They're generally cheaper. Yeah, yeah, they got the most features and the highest quality for the dollar for yeah. for a scope, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would I would actually really love more fixed six time zooms. Oh, but there's I concur. so few out there. There's yeah. a weaver, there's a, a a loophole, and like that's it. There's not a lot of selection in your fixed uh zoom scopes. And if I like I think I, I think <laughs> six is be. about six is about perfect. And it, you imagine what kind of glass you could get if they spent the money they spent on a high quality three to nine and put all that extra money out of the features and put it all into glass? Yeah, you'd have a great yeah. scope. Yeah, but I don't know. We must be in the minority because there's not there <laughs> there's not a lot of scope manufacturers doing that for us. Maybe we could, maybe we could contact Vortex. Yeah, to, sure. Ask them. Hey, do some uh, six times up. Uh, at least two of them. Yeah, uh, at least two. Yeah, do two because <laughs> you, you got two sold for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, while, while we're talking about scopes, what's the minimum you should spend on a scope? And we'll say big game hunting scope. Oh, 99 bucks. (laughs) As much as you can afford. Like, I went with, uh, when I got my 30 out 6, I put the Vortex Viper 3 to 9 on it. And then when I could afford a better scope, I put a Vortex Viper HS on it, 4 to 16, with a 44 millimeter objective and just better glass, better clarity, better magnification, uh, adjustable objective. And uh, that's probably all the scope I'll ever put on that rifle. Uh, and then I took that scope and put on my Thompson Center. I mean, my 17 HMR has a $650 loophole on it. What's that tell you? And put the best glass on that you can. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I, in my opinion, nothing less than $200. Uh, when you get into oh, your like yeah, $100 absolutely. scopes, oh, no, well, you're not like, just, anything. just to draw a line, yeah, I yeah. mean, like a $100 scope is, is not really even worth mounting because uh, the it's not going to even hold it. Won't be good. Yeah, it's not and even going to hold it zero. zero. No, I mean your clicks are yeah. going to be uh, misaligned and every like everything's just yeah. There's no way they can put any sort of quality into a hundred dollar scope and and expect anything out of it except for you know something for plinking at the range with your kids that who don't expect to hit anything anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So some guys still use the package scopes that come with like the the Savage Axis or the Remington. 770 or 73 or whatever but yeah, like the, keep in mind those scopes are garbage you like hopefully it'll work for you the first season but then after that dump it and get something else because yeah my savage my savage came from canadian tire with the scope on it and i traded it for a 99 dollar spotting scope didn't yeah. care it's like yeah. somebody needed a scope didn't need anything fancy i didn't have a spotting scope for the range here you go i don't even know if i fired a shot out of that rifle with that scope on it yeah, no, I just I pull mine off. You could put it on like a twenty-two or uh, or something like that, but uh, that's I, where it went. Yeah, 
Yeah. No, I would I would say something two hundred dollars and more. Um, and if you can get to like three or four hundred dollars, like the difference between a two hundred dollars scope and a four hundred dollars scope, it's you're going to get a lot of yeah, very noticeable. Yep. Now, I mean, you're going to get into diminishing returns once you get up to like eight hundred dollars. So like the difference between like an eight hundred dollars scope and a twelve hundred dollars scope, if we're still talking about a three to nine, is going to be a little bit less than. Uh, than that two to four hundred. So I, th- I think like between between the three and five hundred dollar range is probably a good place to start. If, yeah. That's probably going to be your best bang for your buck. Uh, you know, for somebody who is the casual hunter who goes out after their deer every year, and that's basically it. I mean, if you're you know hardcore into your target shooting between hunting seasons and you hunt a lot, then yeah, you're going to spend a lot more in your scope. But I think the three to five hundred dollar range is probably your best bang for your buck, personally. Yeah, exactly. But you did say minimum, so I'm going to agree with you. You know what? I'm not going to agree with you. I think 199 <laughs> is the minimum you should spend. I think yeah. I think there's a banner that's 199. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Any other thoughts on uh, on hunting topics? No, I think uh, I think that's enough to get us some uh, some hate mail. So perfect. Get, yeah. Well, speaking of hate mail, um, we got one from Andy Shand. It's yeah, well, really- we're hate. We're hating on Andy Shan right now because he bailed on us. He's not coming, and neither is Steven to the three-gun. Well, then I'm going to read his email with hate in my voice. Do it. (laughs) I don't know how to do that, actually, so I'm just going to read it. (laughs) He says, hi there, Slamfire hosts. Last episode, you guys talked briefly about the Dylan Square Deal B reloading press. I'd like to point out a few things about the SDB because I feel that it is often overlooked. Of Of all of the Dylan Progressive presses... The SDB is the quickest, easiest, cheapest to change to another caliber. Like many, it's a simple matter to switch tool heads with preset dies already in them, so no adjustment is required. Unlike most, changing the priming system between large and small is easy. Switching between calibers takes under 5 minutes and is simple. I use an SDB to load 5 different pistol cartridges. I have a separate tool head and powder measure for each one. I also bought a complete second priming system which makes switching between large and small even simpler. It's not necessary to take these steps, but it makes things faster and easier with nothing to adjust. I think it's a great choice for a progressive press as long as you don't need to load rifle cartridges. The handle stroke is nice and short. With the bigger presses, the handle stroke is much longer because these have the capacity to do rifle length cartridges. If all you're going to do is load pistol ammo, why use a press with such a long stroke? Uh, although it does not have a case and bullet feeder, uh, it's no problem to make 400 rounds an hour with one. I shoot a lot, and I find its production rate to be fine. It's a slick run to press. It's a slick run to press. <laughs> it's a slick press to run. It's no problem to remove a damaged case or a case with the wrong size primer pocket. This happens with 45 uh, without messing things up. It also doesn't feed another primer if there's no case present, which is a nice feature. Mm, yeah, the 650 won't do that. You just keep spitting out primers whether you want to or not. Very nice feature. <laughs> that Yeah, cool. Uh, the large square ram, hence the name, results in less flex of the shell plate, which makes nice consistent ammo. The small diameter of the shell plate results in less chance of powder being tossed out of the case as the plate rotates. It's auto-indexing, and it's also very compact for a progressive press. Of course, it's covered by Dylan's awesome warranty, and it's quite a bit cheaper than the bigger progressives. I shouldn't say this out loud. You're not. You're typing. 
but in approximately 50,000 rounds loaded on my SDB, I've yet to make a squib. Anybody looking at a Dillon 550 or 650 just for making pistol ammo should definitely take a look at the SDB. I think it's one of the better progressives and a great value. Keep up the great work. I'll just throw in two more mundane old thumbs ups. I can't think of anything exotic right now. Thanks. Could have given us two square deals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've loaded on his press, and he's right. I wouldn't buy another 650. I would just buy one of these. And, uh, and, and the, it, I would buy this. I would recommend this before a 550 anytime. And again, especially if you're only going to do pistol ammo, you don't need the bigger, heavier press. Proprietary may, um, uh, dies, but inexpensive. So who cares? Right? No, it really is. And he's, it's so, um, it's the underdog. It's, it's, um, very, um, underrated. Yeah. Yeah, no, usually when things are inexpensive and smaller than the original, they are. Mm -hmm. But uh, that doesn't mean good things don't come in small packages. Oh, there's one on Canadian Gun Nuts right now on 45 ACP for $300 per shipping. He needs some extra parts, but the thing he maybe doesn't know, you can just like ask Dylan for those and they'll just send them to you. Huh. Well, there you mm -hmm. go. There's yep. a deal. Go for it, Adriel. I already have one. <laughs> well, buy it for me then. My shipping address is... <laughs> All right, Adriel, speaking of uh, you, I don't know, that was a terrible segue. Read this next one for us from Tom, please. <laughs> okay, from Tom. Uh, short ones, fat ones, skinny ones, long ones. I've shot everyone, man. Across the ranges, man. Or far, man. Seen the wind effects, man. Shot lots of V-bulls, man. Okay, here's my opinion. <laughs> I think, on you're, versus I think you're supposed to sing that, like uh, the you Johnny Cash song. You're supposed to sing that, yeah. He, he uh, said he was on hold and bored when he wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I was like, no, dude, it's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah, I like it. I was reading ahead. Sorry, Adriel, I cut you off. Carry on. Okay, here's my opinion on length versus accuracy. Short and stiff is good for tight places, and it's just as accurate as long and limp. There will be less velocity, yes, but you can just put more dope in the scope. Less velocity will be affected more by the wind, but you can just correct for that as well. As long as you do proper load development and stay out of the transonic zone, a short barrel will be just as accurate as a long barrel. Long barrels will whip more, but once again, if you do proper load development and find the node it likes, it will shoot lights out with a faster velocity. Faster velocity, of course, equals less exposure to wind and gravity, which decreases the need to correct for elevation and windage. Since wind is a variable and affects slower bullets more noticeably, and most people can't read read the wind or understand what it does to a bullet's path, they equate horizontal dispersion as inaccurate. They blame the short barrel instead of the variable, uncontrollable condition. Velocity affects stabilization and the bullet's exposure to gravity and wind. Everything drops at the same speed. With a longer barrel, you close the gap between the muzzle and the target sooner, which tends to make people think in terms of laser beams and whiz-bang magnums. If I had a baseball, an AR with a 10.5-inch barrel, and an F-class rifle with a 30-inch barrel all lined up on a picnic table, perfectly level, and the ball dropped at the same time as the bullets left their muzzles, they would all hit the ground at the same time. The F-class rifle would be touted as f uh, flatter, but is it? Or is it just faster because it went further? Hmm. Uh, my Colt 
uh, Canada IUR has a 15.7 inch barrel, one and seven twist. My Wyndham Weaponry Vex has a 20 inch bull barrel, one and eight twists. My Swiss Arms Black Special has a 20.78 inch pencil type barrel, one and seven twist. With each one loaded to its own pet with its own pet load, they're all equally accurate out to 800 meters. Twist rate is another factor lots of people don't understand. A guy shooting a 20-inch Nork AR with a 1-in-12 twist and 77-grain Black Hills match ammo will <laughs> be spanked. Well. No, that won't go well. <laughs> will be spanked by me and my 15.7-inch IUR shooting the same load. But he'll blame the Nork and its pencil barrel. Anyway, here are my thoughts. If you had short ones, long ones, fat ones, and skinny ones being shot in a tunnel with their own pet loads suited for their own ROT, they'd all be equally as accurate. Until the long skinny ones heated up and started to string. Perhaps another email is in order. I mean, come on, people. That's why the good folks at Jammington came out with the VTR line of triangle-shaped barrels, right? <laughs> Take care and shoot off the mag, Mr. Uzi. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good email. I like that one. Good one. Good job, Thomas. <laughs> yeah. And I, I can't disagree with anything you said. Uh, he's absolutely correct as far as I know. Except for those weird triangle barrels. Those are weird. They really are weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Any any other thoughts or comments we want to make on that? Uh, Do we I need to explain have. what transonic is to people who might not know? Oh yeah, it may as well. Uh, it's uh, when that's the when bullet... you assume the bullet's speed. You shouldn't that's... ever assume the bullet's speed. You have to ask the bullet what its speed is. <laughs> <sighs> oh, that's hilarious, Adriel. Um, but no. <laughs> Yeah. Always, always ask first. Always ask. Never assume. It's it's when the bullet slows. (laughs) Be funny for a while. I need to mute. (laughs) It's it's when the bullet slows down into uh, or slower than the wrong washroom. It slows down into the wrong washroom. There. All right, you got to mute yourself, buddy. Yeah, mute yourself before you get. Muted by me. Um, <laughs> yeah, when when uh, when you get close to the speed of sound, shock waves will form and cause the bullet to tumble. So you have to stay either well above the speed of sound or well under it. If you get close to the speed of sound, you get into the transonic range, and uh, funny shock sh- shock waves happen, and you get funky stuff going on with your bullet path. <laughs> <laughs> you okay, Trevor? He is not. All right. Trevor? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, you're you're sounding good. Why don't you read this next one from Kevin? Okay. Now, if I actually, I've been coming in and out of, so if I drop, you guys pick it up, okay? Okay. All right. Hi, it's time for our hosts. Uh, talk about missed opportunity when talking about our insights. At Appleseed, we teach the analogy of good child, bad child. The good child stays close to you and does exactly what you tell her. I like the fact that he said her, by the way. <laughs> uh uh, the bad child takes uh, takes off far away and does the exact exact opposite of what you tell him. Uh, uh, it is the same with iron sights. The front sights is the uh, the bad child and far away and opposite. You get the idea. So Kevin's right. We talk about good child, bad child. So the child that is good is the one that's closest to you. So the you know the rear sight and the one that's bad is the uh, one that is the front sight. So. Yeah, so we use that in analogy. You guys did a pretty good job of explaining it last week. So, eh. Anyways, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring he in goes a car on analogy. 
at, at some point here. I just, I just wish, I just wish that Kevin had access to his own show to talk about this stuff on. Oh wait. All right. Uh, yeah. Eh. Okay. He goes on to say that I have a Leopold Mark uh, AR scope for my AR ACR, and uh, it's in mils. Uh, my adjustments are ten clicks equals one mil. So ge- generally, use three clicks to equal one MOA. It isn't perfect, but it's close enough. Again, and rounded up. Um, as the AR barrel lengths, I agree uh, with Adriel and Matthew. A shorter, stiffer barrel should be more accurate, but obviously it won't have the same philosophy velocity as a longer barrel. Why choose, though? Get one of each. And he's right. Also, due to the restrictions of a short barrel rifles in the U.S., 16, plus, 16 inches plus AR barrels are much more common. Uh, it might also be something to consider if you plan to travel to the U.S. for competition. You will not be able to bring a short barrel rifle into the U.S. And he's right on that, too. I just got caught up on the past couple of episodes, and they were great. I especially enjoyed the one with Reg Wales. I give two thumbs up, a gold star, and the ace of spades. Do you know why he gave the ace of spades, you guys? Because he is the Ace of Spades? Yeah, because he's the Ace of Spades on the podcaster's playing cards. Exactly. There you oh, go. So and you I can... just picked up the cards, and who do I got but the Queen of Spades? Uh, that'd be me. <laughs> well, you get cursed so, out a lot because we play a card game at this house called the Queen of Spades. You never the... seem to want to be in my hand. Huh. That sounded <laughs> so... It, it, that's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> All right, Trevor. Um, yeah. This next one from Tom B. again. All right. Thanks for writing in, Kev. Um, okay, from Tom B. Hey, guys, long time no here. Just thought I'd chime in about the last episode. Trevor is 100% right. The end. <laughs> that's that's, oh, that's what he wrote. You're right. Perfect. Let's move on. I got you back, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, pal. Trevor is 100% right about the rear and front sight adjustments. Sorry, Frosty. The lack of knowledge on Frosty's part was frightening for someone who calls himself a hunting gear guy. <laughs> <laughs> the lack of that, and that's not, not in the email, by the way. No, I just, the lack. I just it was implied. <laughs> the lack and we discussed knowledge. it earlier. He wasn't actually wrong. He was just explaining it in a funny way. Yeah, we did have that uh, outtake. Yeah, I, it might be on the end. We'll see. Hmm. See how much editing I want. Editing I want to do, but no. He, if you go back and listen and really think about what he's saying, it, it does make sense. But he, his, it's just being explained in a way Almost. that we're not used to. It's That's almost all. like he was an upper Canadian explaining it in such a convoluted, complicated way. Right? You should run like, for parliament there, Adriel. Yeah. You could write laws. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm explain I'm correct and I'm explaining it in such a way that it's it's just too it bad seems you're not smart enough to keep up with me. <laughs> so Oh wait, that was another co host. Um the lack of knowledge of mill ra- or mill radians made me have to pull over and laugh while spilling coffee. It's also pretty much one centimeter at 100 meters per one-tenth mil click, or, like you said, a third MOA at 100 yards. And I was out with my AR the other day, and it is in mils. 0.1 mil times 100 meters equals one click. I looked at that and went, I don't know what that means. (laughs) One quarter, a half. One and a quarter, one and a half. All right, try that, John. Hey, we're good. Excellent. So, anyway, <laughs> it almost it almost equals. Well, we none of us have really worked with milliradians before. I didn't. I now that I read this, one centimeter at a hundred per t- 
tenth of a click makes perfect sense. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's nice and simple. The math, like everything else in in it's metric. metric, it's all mm-hmm. tens. It's easy. Exactly. Good, yep. good thing no. your uh, your targets are in centimeters, right? Oh wait, they're in no, inches. they're in inches. So that's <laughs> the, and that's why. Yeah. Because yeah, with guns, everybody just tends to say imperial anyway. Mm. Right. So he carries. Oh, a, continuing on, he says. So, so when people wonder why, ha ha uh, huska what huskamawa? Yeah, no, huska. own it. Carry on. All right, huskamawa scopes have third MOA turrets. That's why they are actually using mill-based turrets, uh, but use a weird calibration to sound cool and sell junk. <laughs> As for the SKS thing, I've decided to add to the prize pot. The winner will receive a Narinko SKS, an extra, oh, he's, all right, fine, an extra synthetic Monte Carlo stock, half a crate of ammo, and two more morale patches of my choosing to bring to the event to, to bring the event to a close. I had to order the patches from a far off place, and once they arrived, they arrived today, by the way, and customs sodomizes me on duty, I will send it all to Trevor. So, I'll end my note with two honks for Trevor, since he didn't get any while standing on the street years ago. <laughs> Cheers, Mr. Uzi. Nice. So, to remind the listeners what he's talking about, uh, Jay Hines said, if Trevor buys an SKS and shoots it, I'll shave off my beard. Uh, I didn't have to buy it. Well, actually, I will give Thomas, or, yeah, I'll give Mr. Uzi $1, so we can make <laughs> it, so that Jay can't back out. I will buy the SKS for $1, from uh, Thomas, uh, I will shoot it, and then the winner, whoever we're going to raffle it off, whoever wins the raffle, is going to get the SKS rifle that I shot. The I'll even sign the stock for them if they want, because that'll be cheesy. They'll get an extra Monte Carlo synthetic stock and a half a crate of ammo and two morale patches. So we got to start uh, selling tickets on that soon, actually. Have we identified our charity yet? I don't think so. All right. No, we oh. were just discussing that that this evening and uh we'll continue to discuss that so all right we haven't cool. we haven't made it a dis- all right uh, yeah <laughs> you're cutting in and out it's hilarious <laughs> all right um this hello, next hello hello <laughs> sorry <laughs> Uh, well, thanks again to uh, to Mr. Uzi for uh, stepping up and, and donating awesome prizes. So thank you again to Tom. And uh, this next one uh, comes to us from Spencer. He says, hey, folks, great show last time around. Your discussion on the legalities of magazine capacity reminded me of my most recent project gun. As you can see below, it's a Mossberg 500 with a 14-inch barrel and a Raptor's bird's head grip on it. Just another short-barreled shotgun that cost me a $200 tax stamp and 8 to 10 months of government wait time, right? Actually, no. In fact, I bought, built, and test-fired this gun uh, in an afternoon. The configuration below is completely legal and not an NFA item simply because the ATF defines a shotgun as having a shoulder stock. This gun is pistol-gripped. And I scrolled too far and lost my place. Ah, is a pistol grip only model that I got on sale from a local sporting goods store. Since it never had a shoulder stock, it is not a shotgun, but a firearm. And while any shotgun with a barrel less than 18 inches needs a tax stamp, the only requirement for a firearm is that the overall length is greater than 26 inches. This gun is 26 and a quarter inches on the nose, so no tax stamp needed. Crazy, huh? Right now it looks kind of rough with all the different finishes and such. 
I'm planning on either using some Duracoat on it myself or getting it Cerakoted somewhere, but I haven't or, figured out a color scheme yet. Or just leave it because it's not a car. Krylon is what you need to get for that. It's just Krylon. You'll be it's, fine. Or it's fine. No, cry. You gotta spray paint it in your. I'm basement. the guy who. I'm the guy who was trying to find a place to hydro dip Magpul furniture. What am I saying? <laughs> uh, he says, but it shoot. <laughs> but so far it shoots just fine. No PSs this time. Keep up the good work, Spencer and Smyrna. That's yeah, a that's pretty a, bad. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's mean that's looking. A, yeah, I I, I kind of like it. I wouldn't even say it's pistol grip. No, it's it, like straight stock. Something okay, yeah, take weird. your hunting stock and cut off the stock and just the part where your hand goes. That's got to walk into the web of his hand every time he shoots it, unless he holds on to the front really good. Really good. Yep. Mm. Uh, thank you, Spencer. That uh, Thank you for once again bringing up the convoluted gun laws that we have in both of our countries. That's always a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next submission is an audio submission and I assume that was saved to the email or something. I haven't even heard it yet. Yeah. I, I yeah, heard it. So right. is, isn't it funny that two of the hosts of Modern Rifle and Radio have written into our show as opposed to doing their own show? Isn't that funny? If they just yeah. did their own show, they wouldn't have to they bother have to us bother and us make by me edit. Us. <laughs> They'd have to put in like edit points so I can put in this audio submission. They could they could correct us on their own show rather than coming on our show and making us look bad. Man, Make all right, let's let's show. let's do this audio submission thing. Hello, Slamfire gang and listeners. It's Brian from Modern Rifleman Radio. I still think technically I'm with Modern Rifleman Radio. Don't know, haven't figured that out yet. Um, uh, some more thoughts on um, barrel length for uh, three gun for an AR. Um, something that didn't get mentioned. And I think it is relevant. Um, the different length of gas systems. Um, if you're going with a short barrel, you're into a uh, carbine length or maybe even a piston length system, which uh, generally, comparatively, is going to be more harsh to shoot than, say, a longer mid-length or rifle length. Um, that has a factor in keeping the barrel pointed at the target um, for rapid follow-up shots, which are pretty important in three guns so that's something i think the listeners should should consider i personally prefer a longer uh barrel so that i can get a rifle length gas system because it's just that much smoother to shoot um it's not like a carbine length system is harsh and you're going to hurt yourself or anything my my goodness it's two two three five five six the recoil is pretty minimal however it is noticeable um so i think that's one of the reasons that the longer barrels are as popular in three gun now i could be wrong about that they may be running a mid-length or or carbine length gas system even with a longer barrel not sure um but that's just something that the uh the listener there might want to consider um whatever he or she gets please remember shoot safe shoot straight and shoot it often all right, well, thanks, Brian. I have no idea what you said yet because I haven't listened, so I don't know what you said, but uh, I'm sure it was great. It was about a gas system, apparently, and you should be considering your barrel length for your ARs. That's all I got. Um, Beautiful. But uh, I hope it was great, and uh, this next one's from John. Uh, whose turn is it? Uh Kelly? Oh, mine. Mine, oh, definitely. Adriel. Well, let's, let's yep. do Kelly because it's short, and she might not cut out as much, and then you can do the all next right. one from Dave. Perfect. So, from John, it says, hi, guys. Exactly. Matthew, we said it correctly. And they were good. Uh, There we go. Let's carry on. Yeah, we're done. Okay, so Matthew (laughs) said it correctly, but what Adriel added in, he said it backwards, just pointing this out. 
I always found it easier just to move the rear sight since uh, that's the one that's uh, most movable. And he's right about that. In the direction you want to the group, uh, in the direction you want uh, the group to move. Uh, keep up the great work and stay frosty. Regards, John L. Cool. Did I cut out? A little yeah. bit, but it's cool. <laughs> it, yep. It's enough that we could understand and, everything you said. So we awesome. got the gist of it. Matthew was right. Adriel was wrong. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this next one's from Dave. Trevor, why do you hate me? I should come to you out to your course just to give you a reason. <laughs> I I don't need a reason, Dave. I'm just I I I'm filled with hate. <laughs> Car- carry on. Uh, as for everyone else, Matthew, Adriel, and Kelly, thanks for reading my email and trying to answer. I would Hold order on. from. Do, the- we, do we know why why I'm because you accused- weren't there to answer the question? I believe this is the guy yeah. that asked the pistol question, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So remember okay. when when. Yeah, we said that he's, Trevor hates him. He's looking him. for the holster. Yeah. Oh, he's, oh. Looking for, oh, he's looking for the holster. Oh, oh and I did yep. find out about the holster. Yeah, but uh, you still hate Dave. Okay. He did didn't he ever... come on the show, that's why. Okay, I contact David Copping on Facebook. Redline, Redline, Redline. Precision. I will look it up. It's not Redline Precision. Redline Tactical or something. Okay, I'll read his email here and then you can... Grab it for the end. Uh, thanks for reading my email and trying to answer. I would order from the U.S., but first I need to know what holster would fit. There are no holsters out there uh, that I can find that are marked as 4GP Mark 7, not even at Highlander Tactical or solely Canadian. So my search continues. My wife is not a shooter, but there was no strong objection to me going to Alberta. If I can get a holster, I will sign up, if there's still room by then. There's room on the waiting list. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got it. Blade Tech okay. makes them, and so does Red Hill Training. Oh. So look out, look out. And I got a Kydex holster from Red Hill Training for both my SIG P320 and my FN. The FN was a single layer, and it cracked, and he sent me a double layer for free. So, um, he, you know, good holster, and uh, if he sends you one that breaks, he'll back it up. Perfect. But Blade, Blade Tech is also making them, so whoever sells Blade Tech, like Amazon or eBay or whatever, uh, let's see here. If I can get a holster, I'll sign up, or maybe you'll do one of these in BC in a couple of years. That would give me some more time to practice and perfect my bad habits. A gold star for each three of each of you three, and a lump of coal for Trevor. Thanks, blind sheepdog. Well, now that I have answered the question, I want that coal thing fixed. <laughs> yeah, just compress it under intense heat, and you get a diamond. There you All go. Right. I've added it as a gold star. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This last one comes to us from John. Hello again. This is John L., who we just heard from a second ago. Um, I was wondering, since I'm not a competitive shooter and have only shot bullseye pistol in the past along with various planking at the range. I think he meant plinking. But maybe he was planking, that internet fad from a few years ago. Yeah. Funny place to plank at the range. But whatever, you do what you need to do there, buddy. Um, how do you set up your sights for competition on your pistol? By that, uh, uh, there is smart-ass remark there, but I just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna filter and carry on. By that, I mean, I set up my sight so that I can hit the target. Nah, I thought you weren't gonna do. Uh, it's too yeah, late. It slipped I, out. Okay. Yeah, I, I think he means what distance do you zero yeah. at? Well, he says by that, I mean, how do you set up the point of impact versus point of aim in bullseye? Er. How do you, okay, there should be a period there. In bullseye, you set the black bullseye on top of the front post and your bullets climb into the center. Mm-hmm. I put Dawson precision fiber optic sights on my Glock 34 and I find that when I pick it up against 
a target the fiber optic wants to center itself in the center of the bullseye or steel plate. Do you set it up so that the top of the post is where the bullet hits or so that the center of the fiber optic is where the bullets hit or some other methodology? That's because what I do. I do the second one. Because the kinds of competitions that you do are so fast, it seems like the center of the fiber optic would superimpose on the center of an 80 of the 80 zone or steel plate. Any help would be appreciated. As always, thanks for all you guys are doing. Yeah, what Trevor said. You set it up so that the bullet hits in the center of your fiber optic if you have a fiber optic. Because it's exactly that. It superimposes itself on the target and it's like a red dot. You just, wherever that fiber optic is, that's where the bullet hits. That's how we set ours up. Mm-hmm. So... Now, some people will set it up so that they still have that uh, quote-unquote six o'clock hold. I believe the bullseye hold that his sight picture he described is often also called a six o'clock hold. I could be wrong. So, in other words, your your front post sits at six o'clock directly below the X ring, and the bullets climb into the X ring. Yeah. We don't we don't do that. We no. put the fiber optic right on top of the X and the X ring, and that's where we want the bullets to go. If you're running a fiber optic now, for people who run just a straight blade. Uh, sight with no, would, with, yeah. with no like white dot or orange dot or, or tritium insert or anything, just a square black blade on the front in, inside your notch in the back. Most people will try to get the bullet to uh, sort of bisect the top of the blade. So like half the bullet's on top and half the bullet's underneath. So like the very tip of the blade is where they want to put uh, their, their point of impact. Okay. So anyhow. Yep. So a lot of it has so some personal preference and preference in there. <clears throat> and you're fine zeroing uh, between 10 and 15, and you'll be within the A zone at just about, well, I had a 15-meter zero, and I got all my hits on 50-meter targets at Nationals. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. You'll be fine. Okay, cool. Um, that's it for emails. I don't believe we have any iTunes reviews, so we'll rip past that. We got a shout-out for Daniel Shaw, apparently. So. Yeah, Daniel Shaw is uh, recording. I was talking to him today. He's up to episode 103, so him and John McGregor were on 100 or 101, and he's been interviewing people up until his last one. Episode 103 will target the heartstrings and give you a lot to think about, and I definitely recommend that you go over and check that out. Uh, Just want to say, hey, welcome back, Daniel, and listeners. If you were a listener of uh, Gunfighter Cast before, he's back, and he's better than ever, so uh, just giving you a heads up that he's back. So get over there and... uh, and, and and give it a listen. Perfect. And I have one for Nicholas just uh, saying hi. And he is the guy that actually writes the gun blog. Check him out. Cool. All right. Patreon supporters are... Does it? Yeah. Huh? That's, oh, so you're just breaking up there again. Okay, that's cool. You just keep shouting yep. out random things as you break up, and then your audio finally <laughs> comes through six minutes later. That's cool, though. No, carry on. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we have any new Patreon supporters this week, but we did have one person update. James updated to 5.56, so that's appreciated, of course. Um, we do have a special show. We have two bits of special promo uh, material for our Patreon supporters, and so those have gone out, so hopefully you guys have had a chance to listen to that. And anybody else who'd like to be a Patreon supporter, go ahead, sign up. It all goes to a good place, and uh, you get extra content, which is really fun for us to make and for you to listen to. And if you don't believe me, sign up and find out for yourself. Well, quick question. If they sign up today, they still get, or if they sign up three months from now, they still get access to all the previous bonus materials, right? They don't just, uh, all right, yeah, I, I think just, so. All right, cool. Yeah. So there you go. So you'll, you'll get the newest stuff. You won't stuff miss out have, on anything. Right. You'll get all the old stuff, too. Cool. 
All right. And and if you don't, well, then I was wrong. And, yeah. Sign up anyway. <laughs> Sign up anyway. Okay, so please join one or any, at least one, of our National Firearms, Firearms Associations. It's very important to support those who support us. So uh, we have uh, liberal government in power, and it's uh, it's really more important than ever to, to be involved in the gun community. So sign up somewhere. Help out. Join us on uh, Gun Owners of Canada. We have a forum there where we post a show and chat with the listeners sometimes. So Gun Owners of Canada is a cool forum. You should definitely check it out. Please like us on Facebook. We're at 1,543 likes. We have, here we go, 116 thumbs up, 26 gold stars and counting, two flukes, four manatee flippers, two kangaroo thumbs, one safe space, one HK logo, two hobbit thumbs, five duck bills, two squirrel nuts, two honks, two 1911 triggers, an ace of spades, a cartridge in a pear tree, and a pheasant in a pear tree. Ah, pheasant think, in a pine tree. I think tree. At, the, at the start of 2017, we're going to wipe these out. <laughs> we're going to start again. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Although it is kind of funny bankruptcy. to see how long it could get. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Well, you know what we'll do? We'll do like the Patreon supporters. We'll just list the new ones we get. We won't keep a running total. Uh, uh, well, so don't, this week, don't tell me what to do. This, this week, for I'm going to read whatever I want to read, and you read whatever you want to read. Good enough. <laughs> Thomas Bryant. <laughs> I think Thomas Bryant should put it to music. Oh, yes. man. I, 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 I've, I, I've heard his voice. Have you? Yes, it's very angelic. Kelly, have you heard yes, his voice? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Absolutely. beautiful. All right. Totally. Okay. Sure. All right. Well, we are. Is a, it's a word. word. It's a yeah, word. We yeah, are, we are well past the two hour mark at this point, And mm-hmm. uh, we. Adriel needs to go buy guns, so can we hang yeah. up now? So we can hang up now. Okay. All Goodbye. Right. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> so if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 177, the pellet gun episode, if you will. <laughs> Of Slamfire Radio for October 21st, 2016. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew, the pellet gun guy. And I'm Adriel177 is the best, me show. And I'm Kelly, who has a Glock 17. Lynn? And, uh, I'm Trevor. <laughs> is it a pellet gun one, though? No, I don't have pellet She's just got the 17 in there, which is close, but you're missing that extra 7 on the end. I know. Get- and I am Trevor. I lost it when I was 17 for a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can put that in, can we? <laughs> it's in. It's not true. It's in. Uh, yeah, that was awkward and terrible. Let's try that again.